it possible? Is it possible to improve on perfection? Man's dead. Kid's the winner. I heard him. I heard him move his hand. I tell you, people, I'm on a different level. In fact, I am the new goddamn mayor of this town. Alright everyone, and welcome back to uh, Goddammit MHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and uh, joining me always is Soulbro, but not necessarily Chris. He's going to be joining us in a little bit, but uh, Soulbro, say hello to everyone out there. What is, what is up, everybody? What is definitely up? And this is episode 165 of Goddammit MHQ, and this episode we're going to have just one segment for you, but I think it's going to be a good one. I got this feeling. I got this <laughs> premonition. I don't know about you, Soulbro, but are you feeling that are you, is your little new type sparkle your little type uh lightning flashes hit when you when when you thought about doing this this segment i'm feeling the vibe the new you type feel vibe <laughs> definitely feeling a vibe yes we are going to be going back wow to a sunrise classic uh something that was kind of like um i guess what the holy grail for uh, a lot of people for a long time in the fan sub community. I know me and Chris were chasing for a hell of a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to be our review of Blue Comet SPT Laser. Not only this TV show, but the OBAs. Um, so a show that for a long time was having a hard time getting over to uh, on the fan sub community, but has also lived on and had unceremonious TV cancellation. It was kind of helped out with the OVA and kind of lived on in video game world. Most uh, what the Super Robot Wars in the Another Century's episode, the Ace version of games. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So uh, you'll be hearing our thoughts, uh, insights, and uh, overall general story of. Um, of SBT laser. So, Soul Bro, anything as I'm walking over to the uh, Lord Larry King Memorial New Studio? No, or no. some new I'm listeners' hyped. news. I'm happy to hear what's going on. You are. How are you? Well, joining you always in the Lord Larry King Memorial News Studio. You are the king. You are the king. Here at the Gundam News Center. Uh, it's going to be doing some Neo's listener submitted news. And always, if you have any Neo's listener submitted news articles, you can go to the Neo's listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section of the MechaTalk forum. And the first one here comes from, well, who else? A man that only has time on his hands. The most evil of all the Australians. You know him. We all know Ben Noir. Um, and he's got a link here. Oh, this is a great This is a great compliment to our upcoming segment. Uh, uh, he's got this coming from the Anime News Network. It seems that Super Robot Wars gets its first smartphone app. Yes. Oh, snap. Bandai Namco Entertainment opened up a teaser site uh, for the first smartphone app for the Super Robot Wars franchise. Uh, it 
looks like they're going to reveal more details on the app's genre on the second episode of what's being called Super Robot Channel web program on July 24th. So in a couple of weeks, we'll know more. Uh, they're also, um, uh, the first episode revealed the game, and it's going to be streaming until June 26th, but that's, you know, it's, it's been passed, so we'll definitely want to see what's coming up here. And uh, the game for the Super Robot Wars BX Nintendo 3DS game is going to be shipping on August 20th in Japan for about $55 US. And it's going to have a download edition or a package edition. So they're going to be about the same price for both editions, which is kind of crappy. Download should be cheaper, but we'll not get into that. <laughs> but um, so, uh, yes, the, I guess the latest game in the series was the third Super Robot Wars Z uh, Tenkar Arc, which shipped on April 2nd for the PlayStation 3. Who still plays a PlayStation 3 in the PS Vita? Whoever bought one of those? But, <laughs> oh, damn it. Just saying. <laughs> Sorry. But, Silver, are you excited about that? Um, smartphone app that we won't get, but sounds cool, huh? Is there, a way, there are ways to get them. <laughs> okay. There are ways to get them. So uh, if it comes out on, uh, hopefully, it comes out on Android as well as I. Uh, I, 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 I I forgot if you mentioned if it comes out on uh, on Android. It didn't as well say. As, uh, it didn't say what platforms. It really, it, I didn't see unless I missed it here. Let me let me go back as a, as a top journalist in my field. I want to always make sure that I'm always looking at all my evidence here. And at this point, I don't have anything on there. But I'm sure if there is some news on this, I will be duly corrected on the forums after the release of this episode. So. Well, if it comes out but on I Android, the Android and, and iPhone, probably iPhone before. Yeah, probably, probably that first. But if it does come out on Android, then there are ways that uh, we can scoop that. So uh, I'm looking forward to playing it one way or the other. <laughs> Hopefully, legitimately, it'd be nice it's to get that. Game. Yeah, not gonna be that fun. Oh, <laughs> just, just kidding. Thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Oh, the next one here comes from Wheel there, and I wish, I wish, I wish um, Chris was with us at this point. He's going to be joining us a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Has some things taken care of, but the fourth Code Geass Aikido the Exile episode ships out on Blu-ray in October, and guess what? It's going to have English subtitles. Yes, yes, yeah. It's going to ship out on the uh, DVD and Blu-ray. It's going to ship October twenty-eighth. Uh, it's also this fourth episode is going to premiere in Japan on theaters. Oh. And if tomorrow, actually, as we're recording, July fourth. Oh, so good. actually, today, no, tomorrow. Tomorrow, July, yeah. yeah. And that'd be it would be it would be tomorrow for them. Yeah, that whole international timeline thing. So yeah, <laughs> Akito the Exile, man, the show that's still ongoing that I'm gonna have to rewatch when we do. Have <laughs> 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 to re-review this stuff. It's like, so, sorry. So, so people are gonna get their independence from Akito the Exile tomorrow. I mean, it, it, when they go well, to see the theaters. It's just the day to them. It's oh, like, it's, I know, but it's, it's for us. So. It's a day to celebrate because they did, probably didn't think this day was ever coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Never thought it, the fourth episode of Kill of the Exile was Ooh. ever going to come out. Man. So thank you, Mr. Wielder, for your submission. Oh, the next one here comes from Gundam Type Zero. And wow, this is some interesting stuff. Wow. Whoa, wow. Is going to be. Uh, they're scheduling a midsummer Macross special marathon over the course of three weeks of, in August of this year. And it's going to have three different versions of classic anime, which combines the music and, tr- and it's going to, they're going to kick off on Oct- August 2nd with, uh, do you remember love? Ooh. I do. I'd also remember face getting blown up. Oh, damn. Yeah. It's going to continue. Oh, it's going to continue August the 9th of Macross zero. Sorry, people. <laughs> 
not not too great, but okay. And then it's going to finish up with uh, the two Macross Frontier films, The nice. False Songstress and The Wings of Goodbye. So you go. So it's like good, uh, good again. So and and uh, the two Macross Frontier films are going to show on August 16th of this year. So um, yeah, definitely that's definitely some cool stuff there. So that's the Japanese satellite broadcaster. Whoa, wow! I'm jealous, man. They get all this macros on television. All we get is uh, all we get is bunkers. <laughs> all, all we get is every three months the the live the live action Robotech movies a go just got its fourteen thousandth different director and writer. <laughs> back back to development hell with you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Well, well, for that one instance that it's they're they're actually reporting about, it's in development purgatory, but yeah. it goes directly back into development hell. So, thank you, Mister Gundam Type Zero, for your submission. And oh, the next one here comes from Wielder, and he's got a link here to the old Anime News Network, and it looks like there is a new promotion video, and he's got the link here to it for the 2015 Ghost in the Shell film that's uh, being called. Ghost in the Shell, the new movie, and uh, so yeah, I haven't looked at the I haven't looked at the trailer yet. So it's um, it's Ghost in the Shell, so can't be all bad. I need to see this. Holy stuff! Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea there was a new movie actually coming out. Is yeah. it is it going to be? Uh, does it say anything about what it's based on at all? It is based on Ghost in the Shell universe. And as I'm scrolling back to where I was supposed to go, oh, you want the synopsis? I'll give you the synopsis. Yeah, by all means. The movie begins with Makoto Kusanagi and her team members dealing with a hostage situation at an embassy. Behind the scenes, however, they come across the Firestarter virus again. And the sniper Saito spots a shocking figure who holds the keys to the crisis. Meanwhile, another dire crisis erupts and takes everybody by surprise. So, yes, that's, that's the synopsis there. It's going to guest star Nato, the all-male Japanese group. Oh, do, do you know these guys? They're the third J Soul Brothers from the Exile tribe. What? <laughs> do you know these guys? Are they part I, of the... <laughs> Who are these guys? Are they, are they your long-lost Japanese uh, brethren or something? Oh, my gosh. I've never, uh, I've never heard of these guys. Hey, okay. But, uh, yeah, I'm intrigued. Oh, okay, Nato, is, he must be a singer. Mm-hmm. And he's from the all male group called Third J Soul Brothers from Exile Tribe. Wow, <laughs> these could be your long Japanese brother. Oh man. my gosh, I need I need to beat them. <laughs> See if they qualify. <laughs> <laughs> so looks like the director is going to be the guy that was the chief director for Ghost in the Shell: The Rise. He also designed some of the characters. Guy that wrote Gun- Ghost in the Shell Arise, handled the screenplay. So yeah, it looks like a lot of veterans of the Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, looking at uh, the trailer right now, it uh, it's in the good? it's in the style of uh, Arise. So it does it does seem like it's set more thing more than anything in the Arise so uh, rendition? Yeah, <laughs> just a little. It is that younger looking version of the major. So I'm cool with that. I have yet to watch any of Arise, but I do look forward to seeing it once I get. I'm into just that. waiting for it to finish up. Yeah, same here. Because this Ghost in the Shell, and I know as soon as I watch, I'm gonna be like, I want more of this. So, because Ghost in the Shell really hasn't disappointed me yet. It's a show but. you want to binge watch, most definitely. Well, it's not even binge watch. It's just the fact I, I, I at least I know that I can see the next episode. It sometimes sucks when you get sucked into these things. It's like you watch like most of it, and then it's like, oh crap, the last episode 
I got to wait three months. That's not fun. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's not. Really, yeah. Yeah. I, so, I miss it being on television I mean, so I'm not much. Gonna, yeah, I don't have to. Ha- I mean, I'm not a binge watcher, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'd like it if, like, okay, I finish this the next day or so I can watch the next episode. That's good to me. So. But uh, thank you, Mr. Wilder, for your submission. Oh, yay, that dude brings up. Uh, and I normally don't quote things from Twitter because I think it's a cesspool of uh, villainy. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess some Twitter person, I'm not going to give them free advertising because I don't know who they are. But um, yay, that gives a link here. And I'm sure a lot of people know about this. There was a, in the second episode of the HBO show True Detective, uh, Colin Farrow's character was. Um, he was going to see his son because he's got visitation rights with his son, and he was carrying a uh, HD uh, Jagdoa kit. And he actually does talk about it. I remember because I saw the episode. He says, "Yeah, we were building models and stuff because his his ex wife's kind of a you know there there's kind of a strained relationship there." So oh my. yeah, <laughs> and this and this person actually on their Twitter thing does a close up, and you can definitely see it there. And I do remember seeing it when I was watching. I was like that. Does look I look like a Gundam, but I never, I never, I never went back and saw it. So uh, check out EA Net Dude's um, link there, and um, you can see it. But I'm sure if you just did a Gundam model on True Detective, you'll be able to see tons of it. So thank you for your submission. And oh man, I saw this one. Oh, MC Dread comes up with a, a list here from IO9. First off, I'm going to crap on this list because oh. the list of it says. The 15 dumbest, goofiest, and otherwise most impractical Gundams. Oh, no. And they do list it. However, they list things on here. The first thing they list is the Big Zom. Which is Sorry, not a buddy. Gundam. Not a Gundam. <laughs> and, of course, of course, Mr. MCT Dread says, sorry, but one of my favorites is on there. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. Good old Gun Tank. And guess what? Gun Tank's not a Gundam. It's part of the G series. Mm-hmm. It's part of Project V. But it was the test bed that led up to the Gundam. And I did see in the comments of this article that there were people that were bringing up the exact same thing in there. Cause, so there's more <laughs> than me that are defenders of the, G, of the gun tank. Because even some guy was sitting there saying, yeah, the, the gun tank was so bad that they had to take it out of the movies. And some guy said, correct, and said, no, it was in there. They just stopped at the Jabro. And they took it out after that because it wasn't practical. <laughs> take its space. <laughs> but let's, let's, let's go through the list here. I'm going to go from one down. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the big Zom. Yeah. Not a Gundam. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Number two, Gundam Maxter. Oh, I disagree Gundam- with that wholly. What, what is- uh, yeah, it, yeah. The reasons here is because it's got the football helmet and the boxing gloves. But I'm like, well, you know what, though? If you really took some of that stuff out of it, it looks like every other kind of grunt mobile suit, mm-hmm. kind of grunt Gundam. So it's it's nothing ridiculous. Uh, the Sanghog, which was in Victory Gundam, it was that uh, kind of spider-looking thing with the oh, eight yeah. legs. Mm-hmm. Zebra Gundam, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of the, I well, looked at this earlier. A lot of these are from going to be from G Gundam. Yeah, and but, I think it's because of some of the. <laughs> probably G- some people don't consider these very PC, well, but I mean G Gundam though. It, it, you you expect I get it. it to have it, silly looking. Well, so, bro, what I always try to tell you: don't try to, to reason with <laughs> that are unreasonable. But I do kind of get this because some of them are a little stereotypical. I yeah. get this. Mm-hmm. You look at it, okay. But next one, the Zeta Zaku. <laughs> oh, what the heck! You know, the Zeta that was like Zaku one episode. <laughs> hey, it happened. It happened. Yeah, it did. Tequila Gundam. Oh Jesus. Yeah, people hate that one actually. Mandela Gundam, which was um, the blind dude from 
Oh yeah, the one that looked like it had the bell. I didn't. Bo- I didn't have too much of a problem. It was yeah. a little weird, but okay. I I, I maybe get because it's it's definitely very weird and and stuff like that. The Zogok from Mobile Suit Gundam, which is basically the Zogok, but like many years later. Mm-hmm. Um, Matador Gundam. I, I get that giant bull in there. Okay, I get that. Oh, <laughs> Sol, bro, I hope you're sitting down. Oh, wow. Sox- man, come on, your Funsaki is the shit though. I didn't know he was even a Gundam. Oh, I know. It's like he's he's the Gundam accessory. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's the peripheral. Exactly. It's like he's he's, he's Funsaki to the uh, the Master Age is like the Apple Watch to the iPhone. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. You, you know, you have to have them. Of course, they say gun tank. Ugh. Yeah, a, a, a big thumbs this, down. This kind of this kind of makes me mad too. They got the Nether Gundam and the Zaccarello are ranked lower than the gun tank. Really? That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. gun tank is easy to pick on, but it's it's yeah, a suit, it suit that job. deals damage, man. It's a freaking tank. <laughs> it's exactly. <laughs> Then the Mermaid Gundam, and then, of course, Jumping Gundam, which I had heard about this, but I didn't know. It's basically a kangaroo from the uh, from one of the G Gundam uh, mangas. Oh, awesome. It's you know, Australian, yeah. Rich, I would have thought it would have been Drop Bear Gundam. Drop Bear Gundam. Yeah, <laughs> Drop Bear Gundam. <laughs> Why did I not see that coming? <laughs> so thank you, Mr. S. MCT Dread for your submission and boo on you io9 if you're gonna say it's gundams then put all gundams in there but if you're gonna say mechas from the world of gundam then label it that way yeah clarify no granted that exactly that article looks like it was written in uh 2013 but still you know even then people knew what gundams were that was so long ago (laughs) so many years ago things change so much oh you know no 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 come on i've been around for a million years it seems Mm. It just keeps going. I don't know why. No. <laughs> it just keeps going. No. But thank you, Mr. MCT Dread, for your submission. And the last one here comes from Destiny Gundam. This is good news. Now, we got to taper our expectations on this because we need to make sure that you know this eventually comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. And it's actually sad that Chris is not here to comment on this. Uh, but it says here from the Animated News Network that... Uh, the novels for the Legend of the Galactic Heroes got picked up from Viz. Awesome. And then, as an edit, Destiny Gundam put in there that Sentai picked up the rights for the anime. Now, Sentai and some of these uh, anime companies they have a tendency to squat on some of these things. They they pick up the rights and they don't always release it. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, they do release uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes. I, you know, I I really want both. Actually, to be honest with you, <laughs> I, I'm good with I'm good with not only the anime. I'd like to read the novels too. I yes. really well, I mean, but more um, than likely the novels will definitely come out here. Like this, is I very think good. the novels got a better chance yeah. coming out than the anime. Does. Because the anime, once again, is a 110-episode OVA with additional uh, prequels and one-shots and things like that. And as rich as the universe is, I can't wait to actually read these books because you could just tell by watching the show that there's so much stuff they probably had to leave behind that were in the the novels, man. I, I, I... I'm glad to hear that these books are going to finally be able to be read in more places around the world. And shout out to Viz for picking up the license. I think yeah, they're, they're, it says here that Viz is uh, planning to release the first three novels and volume, the first three novels in the spring of 2016. Mm-hmm. And there's 12 main uh, novel volumes and four side story volumes. So let's hope this everybody can do this. And hey, Mr. HB, 
Uh, <laughs> from what I understand, you only got like two more years of uh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, and you know, ever since the best character Tywin Lannister got killed, oh, it's been kind of hurting. So <laughs> you're eventually going to need something to replace that. And I'm going to say right here, son, right here. Let's well, glad that is. And and here's the other thing. You don't even need to pay anybody to give you music. Just use uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Public what is domain. It? Public domain music. That's what they did. Public and domain you know orchestrations. Nothing's better when you're listening to Mozart and stuff while there's a space battle going on. I there mean, come on. Come on. The, arc, so, the blueprint has already been laid out. It's definitely been laid out. And I want, if you're going to keep anything from the anime, mm-hmm. and you'll, you'll need this, I just need to see every time somebody comes up, their name shows up below. You know the subtitles? <laughs> goddamn people in that show. But it's the only way to really keep it going on. Hell, so, yeah. Mr. HBO, of- this is what I'm saying. Boy, and... I wish Game of Thrones had that shit. Because <laughs> sometimes someone shows up from five seasons ago and you don't remember who they were. And just see a name pop up on the screen. If only people could learn from Legend of Galactic Heroes. But I'm right there with you, man. Hey, you know what, though? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this much. Next episode, next uh, season of uh, Game of Thrones, the one name you won't have to worry about remembering, Jon Snow. Oh, he's dead! You- Boom! <laughs> the worst he's dead oh my god you might have to eat those words <laughs> i will not eat anything on that son oh my gosh as for the sentai uh the sentai uh acquisition well, let's we'll see what happens i hope that they I don't sit on this because this is a series that people have been waiting for decades to come outside of japan so please don't sit on this if you happen this, this have, is a this is it. a series this is one of the few series that yeah. we haven't re- reviewed or me and chris told Solbro, oh yeah you need to watch this thing <laughs> and Solbro actually sat down and watched the whole entire thing well, it took it forever no no i haven't finished the whole thing i've watched oh, up to like halfway, I, halfway, oh, I, halfway oh, through I the first spoken. series no it's okay though but uh i, I was under i was under the i was under i had heard that I, you had finished it. i wish uh, i i do want to get back into it people have been getting in my ass it's like you need to finish oh, logh as like yeah. yes i do because uh, after sitting down and watching uh Lesner, it's like i've got i've got the fever for some more logh now thanks to that show so um yeah i i, I definitely want to get back into it and hearing that this got licensed here now and the books are coming out here and uh possibly the dvds as well for the ovas man um i don't care if they're not dubbed yeah, if they're not, even if they're not dubbed, I'm fine with just subtitled. You know, some people it's a big turnoff, but this is over 200 episodes of Legend of Galactic Heroes, guys. It's gonna cost a shit ton of money to subtitle, sorry, to dub this show. So if it only comes out here subtitled, don't flip out too much about that. Pick it up because this series definitely needs your support. But um, that, that's those are my thoughts on it, man. I I think this is great news, and I hope we get actually get to I get to look at my shelf and see all of Legend of Galactic Heroes sitting on it one of these years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, as a person that went through and, you know, you, you sit there and you go, wow, it's it's 110 episodes. But you know what? It's so goddamn worth it. <laughs> and then you, it's and then so you got, worth it. And then you got and, the guy den too. So and that's another yeah. 100 something odd episodes. I mean, I'm sorry. Everybody thinks that they, you know, they love their Game of Thrones and stuff. I will say this is better than Game of Thrones. <laughs> Way better than Game of Thrones. So, but... um. Thank you for your submission there, Destiny Gundam. And Soulbro, oh. you know what time it is. Oh, Actually, time? this is appropriate because I think uh, uh, Terminator Giant is uh, being released uh, later this weekend. And so it's time for definitely some...
is Neo. So robophobic. Robot apocalypse news. Hell we yeah. only have one article, and I'm gonna talk to Mr. Garibaldi here. I think he's a new submiss- uh, submitter, and, and I, I thank you for his, um, you know, his submission. But uh, when you give me something, make sure I don't have to have like a free trial to see the to view some of these financial uh, websites. Oh no! Uh, sometimes you have to like to even see the article. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna have to uh, like do a quick login or something like that. So just test it before you do it. But I had seen this on my when I was having my morning coffee and I was reviewing to the, the 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 prior day's events on the news, especially when I'm looking for robot apocalypse news. And I knew about this. Yes, a uh, plant worker that works for Volkswagen. He was killed by a robot Ooh. in the factory. Yes, it's the beginning. People are oh, saying shit. the robo collaborators are saying that this was human error, <laughs> but we know it's not. We know it's not. We know that those bloodthirsty bastards, they want to take us out. And this is it. This we gotta, is it. Right we got to get, get Will Smith on the case. No, we don't need Will Smith. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe Will Smith, like circa 2003, <laughs> not circa 2015. He's boxed off, off of poison. Oh. He'd, probably, he'd probably, he's so poisonous right now, he'd probably empower the robots. He'd give them extra incentive to kill us. <laughs> He's the one that made After Earth. Yes, he is. We need to kill him. <laughs> and in that way, I'd, I'd almost have to be like, oh, God, I'm actually agreeing with the robos. You know? <laughs> I wouldn't get in their way if that's the case. <laughs> Damn. But then they might think, okay, you thought it was okay to kill Will Smith. That means we can kill all humans. No, no, no. Just select few. <laughs> Will Smith, Kardashians, you know, things like that. But, um,. Yes, I read about this, and this is disturbing news. This, this is where it begins. Um, I've also read on side note, I've read about how the, self, the Google self-driving cars keep getting in accidents. Mm. And guess what? The robo-collaborators at Google are saying, oh, it's all based on human error. Oh, it is, really? But if you have a, if you have a self-driving car, how is it rear-ending everything? Because I thought it was driving itself. Riddle me that, Google. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't even know how those that's, cars. That's always that's always their their excuse. Oh, it's human error. But your AI was driving it. So why would there be human error if your AI is doing or if 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 it's doing everything? But the human race is so random that I don't know how those cars could foresee for every situation. They really can't. I had a situation a couple weeks ago where I was driving down this long stretch of road. Some lady came out of the side of a, out of a blind corner and didn't even stop coming out, and I had to, like, swerve around that car at the last second. Like, I don't see a Google automated car doing that. I just see yeah. them running directly. You know why? Mm-hmm. Because they have no soul. Oh. <laughs> and, they, and, they have, and they have no thing of self-preservation because – they're a, a soulless AI that even if they get destroyed, they're going to be downloaded into the, another Nissan Leaf. That's what they're going to I mean, that's what it is. But you, Soulbro, you're like, you know what? This lady just came out. I, I, Soulbro can't die. He's got streams to do tonight. You know? <laughs> so, so it was self-preservation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then another side note, because I read all the robo-apocalypse news, mm-hmm. um, even though I'm not – I still – think he's nuts with this electric car crap but and is blowing up space rockets but elon musk is giving some money for a panel to uh do a symposium on the risk of ai and i'd I'd like to have i'd like to be invited on this at least uh, the maybe not a participant but i'd like to be an observer because uh it's gonna be people like me Mm -hmm. that are gonna be there on the front lines when the robos take over we know this (laughs) 
gotta do, you got to do all the research you can before that happens. Oh, yeah. I, I'm definitely afraid of this. And it's going to happen because you're going to have soulless companies like Google being like, oh, we so badly want to get self-driving cars out because that's a great op- that's a great opportunity imagine a fourth quarter 2016 when we get these <laughs> things out it's going to be great oh a couple of them rear-ended and ran over granny and stuff like that but that's well within our uh, that's well within our acceptance ratio of our statistics <laughs> yeah it's well within that yeah next thing we know nissan leafs are going to be running you running you and your family over do you want to die under the boot of a Nissan Leaf? No. <laughs> if I'm going to die anyway by a car, it's going to be like Paul Walker did in a fiery crash in a, in a, oh. in a Porsche GT3. Yes. And be remembered with CGI face. But, but, um, let's, let's hope none of that happens. But <laughs> well, If I'm going to get killed by a car, I'd rather be killed that way. I, I guess if we had the pick of pick of fate. <laughs> oh, if I'm being killed by a car, you really think I want to be killed by a, a, a self-driving Nissan Leaf powered by uh, Google Android self-driving um, version two? It's not a good look. Or, I, I gotta admit. Yeah, or <laughs> barreling down on a, a Lamborghini Aventador through the guardrails off the PCH up there into the Pacific Ocean in a fiery... That's the way I want to go. I don't know about you. If I have to take one or the other, that's the way I want to do it. None of the robo-oppressor. None of the robo-overlords. God, no. God, no. So thank you, Mr. Gabaldi, for your submission. And like I said, not picking on you, but yeah, some of these financial and business websites, they do that crap on you. And you may not have seen it. Mm -hmm. You initially did it. Because they give you free previews, but if you send them to other people, they'll it'll show up, and that's why I couldn't really get into your article. So just a just a you know something to make a note of, because I deal with those things all the time. So because I like reading them, but also too I've got some subscriptions to them. Um, so thank you for your submission, and you know what, Solbro, it's the best part of the news. Oh shit! Yeah, you got to hit it. Let's go, Michael Bay. And do an extra one, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Oh my god, that's bullshit. What the? <laughs> it's so the summertime. We only got so much. Dude, can we uh, bring the brewskis? <laughs> just, just make it last. Make it last. <laughs> yes, of course. You may absolutely bring the brewskis. Yeah! And actually, mm-hmm. this first survey news alert it comes from the shade. I had viewed this because somebody had sent me this not too long ago. I got to say, I'm going to call shenanigans on this. Uh, somebody did a fan-made uh, documentary. It's basically if Michael Bay made a nature documentary. But I'm going to show uh, call shenanigans on this because, yes, Sir Bay has always been known for a man for his explosions. And there are exploding animals in this. But there are wow. sure to hell a lot of lens flare. And I will dollars to donut. Sir Bay will never have lens flare. And over obsessed. That's that's a true hack a true hack director. A true who's going to take who's going to take a beloved franchise and took it even down the crapper in six months. Can't wait to hear all that revisionist history. Because he's already destroyed one one uh, longstanding uh, oh. sci fi franchise. So what's another? Come on. So yeah. <laughs> oh, you know it's going to be bad. 
<laughs> I got Star Wars fans telling me they're not looking forward to that movie, man. Damn. Like true Star Wars, more so than you, Sober. I'm talking guys that still buy, still buy the the figures and shit. The blood runs Star Wars, basically. Oh, I, you know what? This this guy, this guy is not. This guy is not. Um, he's not like it's the first three and die. He's actually the guy that turned me over to the correct side when he said, "If you really look at it, Revenge of the Sith is better than Return of the Jedi." What? He broke it down. <laughs> to me. This, this he is my Yoda on this. Oh my gosh, he's my Obi Wan, and he brought me. And one of these days, so bro, I'm gonna have to break it down to you because you won't have to try. If you really look at it <laughs> in the way that we look at it, it makes sense. Oh come on! Well, we'll see. We'll see about that. But uh, I, yep. I, I hope come December we all feel I, good about okay. that movie. I really do because I think I think it's gonna end up being pretty enjoyable. It, it has to be better than the prequels. That's all I can say. That's all I can say at this point. About that, <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh man. You've you've seen Star Trek Into Darkness, right? You know what though, he didn't have a love for Star Trek like he does for Star That's Wars. A, and you know what, sometimes having a love for something's not a good thing either. Hey, you know what? That that has been that has been that has been it's been shown that there's mixed re, I guess mixed events when it comes. There to is, that. but the, yeah. but being a fan of something, it doesn't necessarily guarantee yeah. a good result. That's exactly, true. and that and that is because every time I hear it, all of these all of these JJ apologists sit there and say. <laughs> But he loved, he's a big fan of Star Wars. I'm like, yep, you just steal this. Every time someone shits on Michael Bay, you go right to J.J. Abrams. Because <laughs> he's the biggest hack actor. Oh. actor in, man. I'm sorry. Oh. Hardly any of his movies even make money. Sir Bay makes billion dollar films. Yeah, he billion dollar films. It doesn't mean they're good sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You, you know what, though? Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Revenge of the Fallen was a stinker. Yes. Even Sir Bay himself admitted this. Well, he admitted this. But, no, no. Just mm-hmm. let's, mm-hmm. But the follow-up, Darker the Moon, yeah. makes even more money. <laughs> so here's the thing. In the end, people, I, I'm going to start sounding like a politician on this. Joe Lunchpail, the middle <laughs> class, the true Americans out there, the people from the flyover states, uh-huh. they love the Sir Bay. It's the elitist. <laughs> like you sold, bro. Oh shit! That sit there and they, you know, they've read screenwriting for dummies, and they sit there and go, "I know how to, com- I know how to compose first, a second, and a third act." <laughs> it's you, people. You're destroying. You're destroying. Folks, oh, bro. It's all. It's you. Your elk. It, it was you. It, it was you the whole time. <laughs> You elitist bastards on the coast. You're on the coast. You're on the east coast. You're right. Oh. What, like, uh, like, fifty miles from the from the coast? Yeah. <laughs> so you're more of an elitist than than Joe Lunchpail, who's Joe, in Nebraska, who, who who gets up every day and works for an honest wage to feed his family. And you know the first thing they want to do on a Friday night when they have a little bit extra cash oh. after they've given. They're sold to God and country. Mm-hmm. They want to watch a little survey. There you go. There yeah. you go. I was wrong but that, but that's the, the whole thing. time. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, Revenge of the Fall was garbage. Everybody knows it. Oh. Man, they didn't even sit there and said it's garbage. Man, but then the next movie, because you would think 
the fact that the first, the, the one preceding it is so much garbage, the second one makes so much more money. Oh. He's a freaking genius, dude. He's made it money. He's made more money on every one of these movies than the last one, yes. except, except for maybe four. I and even Pain and Gain. You like Pain and Gain. That movie yeah. made a ton of money. He needs to be making movies like that. I, 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 I agree. I wholeheartedly say that. Like, I agree. Just to forget Transformers, right. just make movies like Pain and Gain. I will be happy with But he films. didn't destroy – he didn't destroy – he didn't destroy a franchise. Oh no, he didn't destroy it at all. He, he, because the Transformers franchise, out, people could say what they want about it. Sure, but each one of those damn movies comes out, they make more and more money. Yeah. And in the end, let's be honest, you're making these movies to have people as many people come and watch them as it is, especially for a franchise. Well, Hansbro- that, that's 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 the death nail on a franchise. <laughs> I mean, you you can go on a onesie. I get that. Yeah. You, you might have, and a lot of times on a onesie, you may have a film that's way ahead of its time sure. that people just don't appreciate. But the man's making a freaking million dollar. I mean, on a personal <laughs> level, I have not been satisfied by a Transformers movie, save for the first one. But yeah, I but understand. You, but I understand they're financial. You're also stuck in a thing too, where sure. you're comparing it to, you know, the 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 fizzy sensation that you got when you watched oh, Generation that, One. But, but I'm, I'm reading the I'm currently reading the Transformers comics as well, the ones uh, right? from IDW, and they're written so damn well. Right. You can write a good Transformers story, and that's what I want in one of these movies is a story on the level of that. So I know that it can happen. I know they got a writer's room that's a buzz right now with a bunch of different writers cranking out scripts for this but the, but the first, cinematic the first universe. Movie, mm-hmm. The first movie's not bad. The yeah. first movie's good. It's, it's the third movie's good. Mm-hmm. And the fourth movie's good. It's, is, it's there, is, there, is there... Can you sit there and say, yeah, there's a lot of human interaction in it? Yes, you get that. But you, I mean, but people have to also realize that these movies, you're making Transformers movies mm-hmm. for people that aren't Transformers fans. Oh, yeah. A person like you, yeah, they get it. They, they like the, the comic books and they like the old shows where they saw the interaction between the robots and stuff. Uh-huh. But, Joe, but Joe Munchpale, <laughs> he just wants a fun movie where he can sit down with his young son and talk about after they pray. I should, can't, I, should I, I join the presidential race? I, I can't even I, touch this. I just say it. <laughs> and then you have somebody like J.J. Abrams, just a ogre, just a oh. just a very unsightly guy. Looks like you know he's got horn rim glasses and buck teeth and stuff, oh, and he makes crap like Super Eight. Oh, I, I love Spielberg, but I, I'm gonna, I'm going to destroy a movie. That movie's shit. I feel like I'm cut from the same cloth as JJ, though. Personally, I, 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 then, I enjoy he, him and his took, disposition. And then he took, mm-hmm. he, he, he went to the thing of we're gonna make another Star Trek movie. <laughs> we have we we just reset the timeline. We have all these other things we can do. Let's take the character that's the most beloved with uh, from. The best fucking Star Trek movie of all time. One of the best star- science fiction movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And let's just JJ fight it. We're going to make it a twist. We're going to bring in Admiral Robocop, and he's going to have the evil Enterprise D and all this other stuff. And, you know, we're just going to throw Klingons in because we talked about Klingons, but, you know, Klingons are pretty badass because we saw that in fucking Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and they were pretty badass. But we're just going to make them in the chumps in here because, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is so badass as Khan, and he's not really Khan. He's he is Khan, but now he is Khan. Blah blah blah. You know, it's like come on. And then and then and then um, we're gonna have it where you know 
I know Spock and Kirk, they've only been together for a certain amount of time, you know, a very short time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when Kirk, we're going to now do the, the old switcheroo. Instead of Spock dying, it's going to be Kirk. And Spock's going to be, even though he comes from a race that doesn't want to show their emotions, and he's, yeah, he's a, half, he's a half-breed, but he more identifies with the, the Vulcans, and he tries to hide his emotions. We're going to make it like he just long, lost his long-lost friend, where in the other movie, the real good movie, they had what? 15, 20 years between them in freaking space. <laughs> and when you sat there and you're like, oh my God, Spock, are you dying? <laughs> you felt it. You felt it. I, I can't argue with that at all. Yes! I, I can't argue with that, but uh, you know what, Survey? though? It was a miscalculation. Okay. Oh, more than miscalculation. <laughs> more than miscalculation. Oh. So, back to MCT Dread's post. Yes. <laughs> We took the long way around. <laughs> yes. He's got, he's got another thing here, and this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see this because it looks like Sir Bay might pr- be producing a remake of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Now, oh. I'd like to see the take on this, but I'm also one of these people, unlike Soulbro, I don't like all these remakes. Oh. And Alfred Hitchcock movies? <sighs> he's remade his own movies, though. He has remade his own movies. Yeah, so... I get that, but... The Birds is a really good movie. <laughs> and I just sit there and I'm like, you know, okay, it's going to be a little dated. Uh-huh. I get it's just like our upcoming segment of SBT Lasner. Mm-hmm. It's dated. But is remaking it going to make it better than what the original source material is? It's not it's not its job to make it better. It's its job to retell the story. I, I get that, yeah. but the, the first birds is really good, and and you know here's the thing that it's always good about the Alfred Hitchcock movies is, and I'm sure Sir Bay's going to do a, a grand job. This is just my take on remaking stuff. I'm tired of everything being remade, but the thing is, the Alfred Hitchcock movies he does he does so much with nothing. Yeah, he does so much with little and and the technology. But psycho, it's like too. what chocolate syrup or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for black and white. Oh I mean, my gosh, he made that work, boy. He made with the, with the fundamental things, and that's that's the beauty of Hitchcock, man. Little little says a lot. He, there was a lot he didn't show in Psycho, which is uh, which is a, you know makes that movie just so powerful when you watch it, and especially with the twist in it. And it, Hitchcock had a definitive style. It's very hard to recreate a Hitchcock story yeah. and and allow it to come across the way that Hitchcock did it. So you're taking on a legend. I, I, really, only he could really remake his 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 films to I I guess to the best effect. They're actually remaking Strangers on the Train as well as well, which is the movie that he remade himself. Oh, yeah. Um they're remaking that with Ben Affleck and I forget who else and then uh next Newly year. single Ben Affleck. Yeah, <laughs> yo yo Benefer is over yet again. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm waiting for Benefer part three. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because Benefer was uh first was with uh J Lo. Yeah, J Lo and then with, with... should have stayed with her. Oh. She got so hot as she got older. Oh, yeah, she did. She did. I was talking to this with show. This is a side note here. I was talking to this show. I was like, <laughs> never that big into Jennifer. It's like the last couple of years, it's like, damn. She hitting peak, man. She, she is like, she's like a fine wine. Getting better with but, age. Mostly. Yeah. Woo. But, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a firm believer that stories can be retold. And if they're not as told as well story, as the last stories time. Can be re- they can be retold. But, I still got the original at the end of the day. I'm not sweating it sure. all that much. But the problem that I see with a lot of this stuff is I think it's a lazy way out a lot of times with movies. Mm-hmm. And I think it perpetuates the it, a lack of creativity and something that, you know, 
uh, I think it hamstrings us in the end. I think we start losing our culture where people. I understand, you know, the basics is what is it? Uh, there's only what like seven real stories if you put it all down to the basics or something like yeah, that. That's it's a fine. It's something like that. I get that, but there comes a point where you can sometimes do them in certain ways, and I think that just remaking a bunch of crap is kind of. I will know that. Hollywood is official out of ideas when they start remaking the Kubrick films. That's when you know. That's when you know they're going to be officially. <laughs> That's a steep mountain to climb right there, boy. It is. Yeah, try to recreate those scenes. Uh, what That one scene probably took three days of production. Guy was a psychopath. But um, So thank you, Mr. MCT Dread, for that submission. Oh, the next one here is, yes, we have... Um, survey announcement of a movie coming out the one that he's directing right now called 13 hours i didn't know this was the subtitle of it the secret soldiers of benghazi oh, so i'm gosh. sure this is going to get a lot of play on uh, fox news channel oh god love that they love them the benghazi Boy, that's, that's, um that's i guess hit. this is going to open on january 15th of next year mm-hmm. which is the martin luther king holiday oh. so this is um, ad- adapted from a nonfiction book called 13 Hours. And, of course, it recounts the terrorist attacks on the U.S. diplomatic compound and CIA annex in Libya that left four Americans dead in September 2012, mm-hmm. including the ambassador, and has given the idiots at Fox News tons of things to talk about for the last <laughs> three years. What's so. it? What's interesting about this is that it comes out on January the 15th, which usually what used to be – a which would would be a red flag on how bad a movie was, but last year America, oh, sorry, this year American, well, this year American Sniper came out on the fifteenth, and it made a shit ton of money. So <laughs> that might be what they're aiming for for that weekend. It's they're going to release a movie that's going to appeal to our audience on the same type, the same weekend, basically next year. And well, to try to I'm the, Sniper money. I'm thinking you, you could correct me on this though, Sober. I know a lot of these traditional like holidays and weekends that you know in the past we that's when either you put your bad movies or your good movies and stuff like that but in the last couple years i think probably since 300 came out that's been kind of the it's hard to say because wasn't 300 like in march which was norm notoriously for like a bad month and then that movie came out and then it was very good, and then I think something came out the following year around that. So it it's almost be... like it doesn't even matter at this point right well, when now, three, right? When, when 300 came out, it wasn't considered early summer like it is now. Um, right. But back then, it came out, it did exceptionally well during that time. But, but in a time that was normally a place where you kind of put your shit movies, right? Well, or not, no, not your shit movies, but kind of your underperformers. You kind of know, eh, it's, it might break even, it may not. From you know what what's what's considered the dead zone for film is the beginning of January all the way up to Valentine's Day of February basically that's what it used to be but as of recently when it comes to like movies like Frozen and then American Sniper and if this movie is going to fall into the same I vein seen I saw Frozen that was a pretty good movie yeah Frozen was fun um, but that damn song isn't it, it oh, will catch man hey, that's, you, you can't, I'm, I'm glad I don't have I'm glad I don't have children. Oh my god, you have to scrub that song out of your brain. Because I probably would have committed suicide at this point hearing oh, that. That's all. Because I know heard. people with children, and and I've been to Disneyland and stuff, and it's like, 
holy crap, this this song's everywhere. <laughs> well, I can't I can't seem to let that song not go. Not a bad up. song, but it's not. It's just it it gets it endlessly. It gets overplayed, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think they're going after that uh that American Sniper money next year, and I that doesn't necessarily mean that this movie's crap. It just means that they're aiming for that weekend because of the box office. Well, I my think. point is, is I think the 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 times that used to be thought of as being where you kind of put the movies you didn't think were going to perform or whatever, mm-hmm. that's kind of gone away now, right? Like a lot of these movies now you you it's almost like you you it looks like they're almost playing to get to these those times because you'll have a lot less competition because who the hell wants to release movies in the summertime anymore you you kill i mean you know that, that's the thing you know what i'm saying it's, it's standing room only in a lot of cases when it comes to summer summer movies so yeah now it's becoming more commonplace to put movies all around the year it just depends on what you're trying to market as the film and i'm looking to see exactly because i would like to get more of an inside uh story on what happened in benghazi after hearing all the I bullshit have yeah, yeah it's, so. it's it's all and i i know it's a politically it's a it's a huge point so i'm wondering I mean, it's a sad thing that happened. I mean, I oh, think absolutely. it was the first time in many decades that an American ambassador had been killed. Yep. And I think it, when I understand, it just seems like it was a failure on all aspects. So, I mean, but kudos to Bay for taking on this material. I'm interested to see how uh, how he interpreted it. And uh, you know, there will be explosions. <laughs> there will be. I just, I, I hope, uh, I just hope that uh, it, it's it's going to be a compelling story as well. I hope he's able to do Bad Boys 3. Yeah, they're talking about it a lot more now than they ever have. Because I know they were talking, I know we talked about this last episode, there's going to be Joke somebody that's got... Yeah, yeah, but I need the OG, man. What? It's like, that's the thing. Carnahan's, uh, he's trying to see if he can get the director's chair, but he's writing it. So that that at least that's been confirmed that he's writing it. But Bay will probably come back and direct it if I... If I was the wager against I mean, Bay, Bay's responsible. I mean, Bad Boys 2, the the greatest action-adventure movie of all time. I mean, <laughs> this is... I mean, it is. Even Solbro can't... That movie's amazing from start to end. It, it, it even is, even it though is there is... Even though it has an additional end where it's like, wait, we, we won. Wait, no, we got more? There's more? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you as much as Armageddon where you have three different endings. Mm-hmm. This one only has two. <laughs> still amazing so thank you mr mct dread for your submission and thank you everyone for all your submissions and if you ever have any news articles to submit always send them to the neos listeners submitted news articles thread in the gundam section of the mecha talk forum and like i stated earlier if you're you know just please test out things if you go to links if i can view them or not it's uh not like i said i wasn't trying to call that person out but i just was unable to read his article <laughs> luckily i had actually read it this morning um when i was reading some stuff online uh personally so uh, thank you for all that and Solbro, anything uh before we go into our first and probably extended up epi- uh, segment for this episode which should be spt Blue Comet SBT Laisner, the reviews of the TV show and the OBAs. And then we'll be having Chris join us at that point. Well, I mean, if it's still within a month of, uh, this epi- uh, of this episode releasing, or I'd say 
within the next uh, couple of weeks, you still have the chance after listening to our review. If you want to uh, see my commentary on uh, on SPT Lesnar, I marathon the entire show over on uh, bit.ly/shinstation. Um, it'll only be up for a few more weeks, so if uh, if you guys want to check that out and jump around and see what I had to think about the show as I was watching it for the first time, you're more than welcome to check that out over on bit.ly/shinstation. The event should still be up there and. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy that, man. It's a great, like, again, uh, SPT Lasner is a great show, and uh, I hope you guys check it out on your own. And if you've already seen it, then maybe you can um, check out that, that commentary and let me know what you think. Well, and I would put the second thing. If you're going to check out that commentary, what you want to do then is you want to take down Sobro's key points in that commentary and then cross-reference <laughs> it to what he says in, in, his, in his review. Exactly. And, and, then, and then if there's any discrepancies, then you call out shenanigans on him. There you go. I, I, think, you... I, I think I was consistent in my review, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this guy was really the Sobro's man. I think it was this guy. <laughs> but um, it is a mystery. You know, also, real quick, before we close things out, I want to give a big shout-out to Mono Eye Press. For those who don't know, they're a publisher of English-language plot books. They also have a free magazine called G+, which is being released this month, for those who don't know. And if you want more information, head on over to Facebook.com slash Mono Eye Press. That's Facebook.com slash Mono, M-O-N-O-I-E-Y-E Press. And go over there and tell them that Gundam sent you. And back to you, Neo. Well, we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, Let's go again. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls, warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. Something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up!
his name rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are. That name, Chapman 025, Defender of Destiny. You shouldn't blame me. This is mankind's dream, mankind's desire, mankind's destiny. Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. This is pretty cool. What robots are you talking about? The goddamn robots, John! Gundammit MHQ, this is Chris, <clears throat> and we're getting into an anime spotlight for a classic title that's been mentioned quite a few times and alluded to, but we're going to give some in-depth talk about today, and that is the 1985 series Blue Comet SBT Lasner, which was directed by Ryosuke Takahashi of Votomes and Dugram fame, and of course we've talked about those shows in depth so check out those discussions and this series was released after both of those and ran uh, roughly alongside Zeta Gundam and even shares some voice actors oh, yeah. so let's get into this discussion just like Melos would <laughs> so in the uh, year 1996 <laughs> the Cold War is still a thing and the US and the Soviets have bases on Mars. <laughs> also, <laughs> la- laugh, because, yeah. I'm looking for Matt Damon the entire show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, a couple of kids from the UN Cosmic Culture Club arrive at the Mars UN base for a field trip, and their tour is abruptly interrupted when giant robots appear and start blasting everything and killing everybody. And most of the students die, including, of course, the only named black one. Oh, yeah, Judo? Of course. Yeah, Judo, because that's that's just the way it is. I, I was upset. <laughs> but were you surprised? Not at all. Not at all. So you have um, a couple of surviving kids left over. David Rutherford, who is very American. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Demetrix, Simone Reflin, Anna Stephanie, Arthur Cummings, and their, uh, their chaperone, Dr. Elizabeth. So these few are the only civilian survivors, and they get rescued by a blue giant robot called the Lasner, piloted by A.G. Asuka, who has come with a warning that uh, the Grados Empire is going to invade Earth. So thus begins a long, harrowing, and depressing trek across Mars <laughs> with the surviving personnel of the UN base as they're all killed and picked off. And a lot of 
distrust towards Eiji because he's a half-human, half-Gradosian hybrid, and this plays out a lot in the early episodes between Eiji and David, who is just overwhelmed with animosity about uh, his uh, generic friend Judo being killed. (laughs) And he shows it in every way possible until finally they're forced to work together and he starts, you know, chilling. Mm -hmm. So we got on Mars all sorts of craziness like um, the Grodosians tricking the Americans and Soviets into nuking each other's bases to do their work for them. Oops. (laughs) We have... uh, the psycho of psychos, Gostero, who comes down Ooh. to wreck everything and ends up killing his own wingmen, <laughs> but then gets uh, seemingly offed by uh, a strange power of lasers, which we'll get back to later. Mm-hmm. And we even have uh, an American spaceship coming full of oh, cow- space cowboys. Yo, the Starcom in the building. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean in the cowboy bebop kind of space cowboy. No, actually, one was an actual cowboy. <laughs> one was an actual cowboy in a space suit. Yeah. With a cowboy hat because, of course, that's what people oh my God. You know, wear in 1996 oh, yeah. in the space program. But then again, you know, a couple of years after this is set, we had the release of Space Cowboys. So, hey, man, you know, he must listen to a lot of Steve Miller band. <laughs> So they finally managed to get away from uh, Mars by using a uh, Gradosian shuttle and tripod carrier. And they're being chased by Amos Gale, who is uh, sort of like the Rambaral of this series, the honorable enemy. Mm-hmm. He is Ag's intended brother-in-law. And there's more encounters with Americans and Russians that do not go well. The Lazner goes all crazy blue and ends up killing Gale, which... Uh, AG is blamed for. They reach the moon, find a bunch of little kids and some blind cowboy, <laughs> and a bunch of killer unmanned robots. Oh, yeah. 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 And everybody else is dead there, too. Ooh. And then they finally get to Earth, and nobody believes them. <laughs> and uh, they grab AG, stick him in a hole, strip him naked, try to do tests on him, and uh, make very ill advised attempts to try to. Um, Access the laser so that they can reverse engineer it. Yeah. So, guess what happens next? Hmm. <laughs> what happens? The Gradosians arrive, and you know they start curb stomping all of these dumb fighter planes, which are completely ineffective. And Ag has a conversation with uh, Gresco, the leader of the Gradosian invasion force, and learns the true secret secret of Grados that they and humans are connected, which is you know made obvious by the fact that they all look alike. The Gradosians yeah. look exactly like regular humans. And also the fact that Eiji exists as a hybrid of the two and is also completely human and <laughs> looking. So, yeah, kind of obvious. My blood is red, just like yours. <laughs> but Gresco doesn't want anyone to know this and even kills one of his own uh, admirals for eavesdropping. So, there's a Vader. There's a Vader on him, man. That or the Undertaker. <laughs> well, no, he. <laughs> Vader always kills the admirals. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. 
So he deploys this weapon that uh, completely wrecks Earth's shit by destroying the ozone layer and uh, causing the sun to just, like, burn everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if this is 1996, when the ozone already pretty much been gone. <laughs> <laughs> but he helped it along. There you go. So tons of people die. We get a time skip to three years later in 1999. AG hasn't been seen and is presumed dead. And the Gradosians are now the cruel overseers of an Earth occupation. And uh, they don't play around. They've banned all forms of human culture because they think theirs is best. Culture. Of course. <laughs> they think Earth has the worst culture. Literally. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they, they, they burn books anywhere they find them, and they kill anyone who's hoarding all this contraband books, music, movies, tapes, anything at all of human culture is completely banned. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Chris, before you keep going, if you brought in Dennis from the Macross 2 world and put him in here, do you think he would agree with the Grodosians, or would he finally stick up for his culture? Uh, if he saw what they were doing, he would probably stick up for his culture. Okay. Because <laughs> I know that would be asked. <laughs> and he'd be like, do you think Grados has the best culture? <laughs> that, that would be his retort. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets shot. Because he's a drunk. Well, either that, or, yeah, or I mean, if they were... I don't know, were they uh, outlawing liquor? Because then you could see him being like the George Washington. (laughs) 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 Maybe. So, sorry. So, uh, everything basically is screwed. And uh, Anna, who's now a few years older, she uh, was 14 at the start of the series. So, she is part of the uh, underground resistance movement that works out of a... uh, sewing sweatshop but she and david get captured by the police forces and they're about to be executed in the most dramatic way possible of being hung up from the side of a huge building and being shot from across the street but then ag shows up all fist of the north star style with his tonfas (laughs) starts beating the crap out of everybody and makes the surprise return of lazner known to the world and becomes a thorn in the side of the Gradosians. So, in the course of these three years, uh, Gresco has sort of grown fond of um, of Earth, and he's left some pieces of Earth culture intact as his own private haven. And none of this sits well with his son Lacane, who is freshly arrived from uh, the warp station from the Gradosian homeworld, and he starts burning all of this shit, and he has his squad of personal maniacs, the Deaf Demons, start going around wrecking shit. And as it so happens, one of those Deaf Demons is Gostero, who has become heavily uh, cyborgified based on uh, what happened with Eiji. And uh, that thing I had mentioned earlier was the AI of the Lazner is known as... um, Ray, mm-hmm. but there's a secret AI called Foron that activates when Agee's life is in danger or the SBT is in danger of being destroyed or having its information about the Gridosian secret exposed. And basically, it's Blue Trans Am. <laughs> Absolutely. On autopilot. So Agee can't even do anything. So that's what caused, that's what saved him when he hesitated to kill Gostero because he has a strict no kill policy. It's what uh, caused him to to uh, accidentally kill Gale because um, Gale was all out. And, you know, eventually he gained control of him, was able to use it. So, you know, that's uh, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. 
So we have this growing resistance movement that's centered around AG, and also a religious movement of these uh, sisters who are led by AG's sister, Julia, who was led to believe pre-time skip that he uh, killed her fiancé, mm-hmm. and she piloted an SPT against him. But then... Uh, she kind of got her ass beat and crashed into the ocean and saw all the pretty fishes and then became a religious cult leader. Yeah. It's the sort of essential uh, breakdown of those events. So we have in this post-apocalyptic world, growing resistance, the old crew getting back together. Uh, unfortunately, Rowan is working for the occupation and is uh, seen as a collaborator, and he rises pretty highly as Lacane's right-hand man uh arthur the dumbass is just kind of there and is fat yeah has a weird porn mustache too. yeah Yeah, he's got a porn stash and the uh the rebels are struggling with their plans led by dr elizabeth to create earth's first built uh super-powered tracer so they can have the fighting strength to take on the Gradosians on more equal terms because, you know, bazookas and shit just don't cut it against crazy robots. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Especially robots uh, piloted by crazy dudes in masks. Tell me about it. Yeah, spa- space F-14s just don't hack it. Yeah. <laughs> and even when they uh, steal old Gradosian models, those just don't cut it against the oh. top of the line newest generation. Yeah. And yeah. as we see, uh, even Lasner starts to show its age despite having the VMAX system to rely on. So <clears throat> as we wind down on the series, we see that uh, AG and Anna, they're growing closer together. They're getting pretty coupley. They take a trip down to South America and find this weird pyramid with all this weird crap in it mm-hmm. and uh you know learn the the really real truth about grados <laughs> which uh confirms everything gresco said earlier and as it turns out the ancient gradosians were dying out so they came to primitive earth and they took the dna of humans early humans and they used this to revitalize their species but eventually the human dna became dominant this new lifeblood and the dna of the old gradosians died out right and then uh you know a couple of decades before this story a uh, japanese astronaut launches in the secret apollo x that preceded apollo (laughs) one and ended up living on grados marrying a gradosian woman and then poof ag and julia can Oscar? <laughs> I wish we got more of his backstory, by the way, but that's like good. That yeah, that's for later. So we now have uh, this revelation that will change everything because the Gradosians are straight up racists Ooh. and thinks, and they all think that um, humans are trash and they treat them like crap. Especially Lacane, who is like uh, a, a racist who would make Giran proud. <laughs> yeah, he's. he's- yeah, he's 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 in he's cutting the same cloth that Garen. Yeah, he's putting us filthy filthy monkeys in our place. But he bro. but he's more dandy. <laughs> and voiced by the same guy who played Makuve. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. So we have a final confrontation that um, happens very abruptly due to the series being canceled, which we'll get to soon. And uh, there's the seal of Grados is in South America. We have a fight. Between the Earth Resistance and the Gradosians, we have AG facing Lacane mm-hmm. and uh, the seal, which is like this cylindrical 
green thing with pretty lights goes into space. They talk to Julia, who's inside the thing, and uh, she does a bunch of stuff with pretty lights to basically seal off uh, the warp space so that people from Grados can't um, use their warp stations to come to Earth. Oh. And then uh, she and Lacane vanish, and AG uh, is floating in space, finds the Lazener, and heads back to Earth, the end. So uh, I want to break this down in a couple of pieces. First, I want to gather everyone's thoughts on the series up to but not including the ending. All right. So, so Solbro, you're, episodes. <laughs> you're, you're up to bat. What were your thoughts on episodes 1 to 37 of Lazner? I really enjoyed this series, man. I was hype um, going into it. Like, I didn't know much to expect besides what I would learned from you and Neo about the show. But I, I knew it was a Takahashi joint, so I knew there would be at least, uh, you know, aspects to it that I would really freaking love uh, going into it. And I wasn't disappointed. The setup was uh, a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of fun. It was very interesting just to see these kids kind of get thrown into a, a dire situation from the get-go, from the first episode. They were not afraid to kill off children as well as, of course, the adults around. And as you watch the first couple episodes, seeing people get picked off, it's almost like a slasher film as they're trying to survive to get off Mars. Uh, you, you realize how sparsely populated Mars is because it's just being co- colonized by both the Americans, the Soviets, and the UN. And it's just an interesting setting to see all that stuff play out. Um, I did enjoy the, um, what is it, the back and forth between Gale and uh, AG and how Gale was kind of his senpai and who he pretty much studied under and looked up to as a mentor and having to go against him is like putting brother against brother for the most part. And the tension between them was an interesting aspect of the story. Then you throw in Gostello, who I guess they quickly introduce as, as as a person who was a love rival for Julia against Gale, and then Gale won out in the end, so he's pretty salty about that. And then uh, having to go up against uh, Gale's younger brother, he kind of relished it a bit too much on wanting to kill off uh, Ag. A-, a lot of characters actually relish on wanting to try to kill off Ag actually in the show. But um, I-, I really dug seeing um ag take him out finally and the activation of the vmax system which i learned uh when i was watching it i was streaming at the same time and uh amaro nt1 shout out to him was in the chat he had let me know that i guess a lot of the uh, inspiration of the zero system in gundam wing was pulled from the vmax system in this series is that true uh it wouldn't surprise me if that were true and one thing we definitely do know is that the scouters in dragon ball were inspired by uh the device that ag wears in uh the second 1999 half. exactly yeah. and and mentioned that as well uh, I, I, that tickled me pink it's like i, I would i would have joked around it be, uh, about that being a scouter from dragon ball but sure enough it's the other way around so <laughs> it's nice to know that akira toriyama was actually watching this show gostero's so. annoyance level is over nine thousand. Oh, gostero as a character killed me because i could not believe he came back like i knew he was too vi- good a villain to keep out of the game for long but just to see his sudden return it's like no freaking way for real this guy is this everything. guy mm-hmm. this guy was like the freaking cockroach of this series yeah. oh, definitely. which i guess makes it fitting that he died like a cockroach yeah, yeah. <laughs> boy he got smeared all over that all over Man, that rubble dude oh i thought it was hilarious you know in destiny when when yuna died the way he did yeah but it wasn't a particularly graphic death we just saw you know the goof that was like gonna fall on him and then you know that's it but here we see gostero smashed multiple times until just 
like the glowy bits of his cyborg parts are left and that's it. Yeah. And this is after he's immolated himself. Oh my god. And he was expertly voiced by uh, Masashi Hirose, by the way. The man who, who also provided the voice of Ramba Rawl in the original Mobile Suit Gundam and Raw Son and Gundam Bill Fighters in the beginning of Try. You know, I listened to his voice. It's like, why does he sound familiar? And then I had to look it up. And I was like, oh wow, that's the reason why. Completely different character than uh, someone, someone cool and collected like Ramba Rawl. So it was neat to, to see him play a different kind of character. I'm sure he's played many other uh, different characters. Uh, spectrums of of characters throughout his uh long story career but this is one of the characters i actually noticed that he did the voice of so um but to see his return was really jarring i was i was down to see him get killed again but it kind of cheapened like the definitive moment to me that uh ag actually killed a person and by killing a person you know that 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 stuck with him for the most of the show but then again later on gail's death as well well even even at the time Mm -hmm. when gostero seemingly died it was edited in such a way because ag blacked out yeah we saw the start of Foron taking over mm-hmm. that's not like it's something that they decided later on like it was it's in, it's clear in retrospect that AG never actually had killed Gostero yeah that it was just Foron uh messing him up so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with saying that 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 cheapened it because uh AG went through the whole series without ever having killed anyone I, I suppose you're right but you know I, I always thought that it would kind of the the way the VMAX system worked I, I guess it was an autopilot type situation but I always thought it took over the pilot and subconsciously made them do the things that they did it, but, it did but because it really you see didn't. yeah you I mean you you see later on when it activates a couple more times mm-hmm. that AG isn't even he acknowledges this, yeah, that he's yeah. like he's like I'm not even holding the controls yeah. And it's moving. Those episodes just just said, pointed that out. Yeah, it's just a self-preservation system, and if it could, it could mess up Gostero's uh, mecha so badly once it realizes he's not a threat anymore, mm-hmm. then it's not going to mess with it anymore. And we saw throughout this series that they have ejection seats. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. part part of the thing is the the cockpit of the mechas are in the heads. And they have good old fashioned jet fighter injection sheets. So yeah. you know it, it. And always remember one of the rules of anime: unless you see it on screen, you don't really know if he's dead. Dude, you saw the cockpit though, and there was nothing left. <laughs> I I actually was that. As, it turns, out, as it turns out, there wasn't much of him left either, given yeah, how yeah. cyborgified he was. Yeah, yeah it's pretty much. Yeah. Dude, so I thought he was fricasseed, man. But you know what? I, that's foolish on me for thinking that because I should have known. I should have unless I saw him get vaporized. And even then, that's not always a, a, that's not always a guarantee. I should have known he was going to come back and haunt us in some but, way, shape, But or I form. don't think it was one of those situations where, in some other animes, when a person comes back, and you're like, holy crap. Yeah. No, this guy had to. I mean, he, he his was get, a little ambiguous. Yeah, yeah, his was a little ambiguous. So it was like, when he came back, and then I see that he's pretty much a cyborg, mm-hmm. pretty much more robot than, than, than person. More machine like, than man. Okay, okay I, I could kind of... I'm, I'm with this. Uh, this doesn't bother me as much. So yeah, uh, it was one of the things that I, I, I rolled with because he just he was a great villain. So I, I was I was part of me was glad to see him come back to antagonize the kids. But uh, speaking of, the I wouldn't kids, say he was that great. I mean, he was kind of he was like a an even more unhinged Yazan. Yeah, he was a scene chewing. He was a scenery chewing villain, basically someone who you know a wild card like Yazan. Except Yazan had a bit more composure, but a wild card like that that you know you just wonder what he's going to do next or how he's going to f up all the people that you actually care about in the show and well he did his job he certainly did but um he didn't i f up that much i mean he was kind of a 
he had he had aspects of loser villain in yeah. him too. I mean, well, he especially did, in the second half. His yeah, he just failures. Could, yeah, he, just he, constant failures of of. Uh, so I mean, it wasn't. He it was, was like he had a lot of talk, but yeah. a lot of bark, but no bite on a lot of the stuff that he would do. So it, he, he was more potent in the first half. I got to say, especially when you see that episode where he's sniping off the survivors. I thought it was really gruesome. <laughs> I thought it totally up. That, that was some great dickery of. Uh, oh. The way that he uh, lowered the output of his uh, beam rifle so that he could snipe human targets just to terrorize these people. Just because that's the kind of asshole that he is. Dude, the scene where he actually sh- did a warning shot without giving any warning to that one the one girl. And she was wondering what the hell that was. And you could see the singe or the, 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 the scuff mark of the, the laser on the side of her normal suit. I was like, dude, this is this guy is completely, completely screwed, <coughs> man. I, I just... I. I I was I was I was terrified of this guy and what he was going to do to these people. It was really screwed up. And um, if the actual kids were going to make it through. Uh, speaking of uh, the kids, um, I, I I gotta say that in the beginning, David annoyed the shit out of me. But I guess who yes. does he? Who doesn't he not annoy? Like all of us in the in the chat were like chanting that he gets killed before. <laughs> Before they leave Mars. But uh, I, I already had a feeling that he was going to sober up and finally become best boys with the main character because yeah. I've seen this. But it was it, until the moment where that changes. It was super annoying. It's like, oh, yeah, dude, this is the only guy who's keeping you alive and you're constantly trying to start shit with him. Oh, my God. That one scene where they go out to bring him some food. And they tear he open. Just drops the food on the on the freaking dust he, he of te- Mars. Tears open like, them ginger snaps. Pick it up and eat it. He tears open them ginger snaps and they fall over the place. It's like pick it up from the ground and eat it. <laughs> it's like you dick. That's my lunchable there, bro. <laughs> Space lunchable. <laughs> Space lunchables, man. Can't be wasting food like that. But uh, yeah, uh, he he did make for uh, somewhat of a foil at the beginning. Uh, I I did enjoy Rowan's character in the beginning part. In the second part, though, holy god, I don't know how you guys feel about the long con that he played. But I I at at one point I just it was obvious. It was obvious, but at the same time, I just gave up on it because I already knew that maybe they're going to pull something out their ass at the end. Given the fact that the show had no time to really kind of uh to to kind of humanize his character in the second half. Um, and the fact but there that- were things that he did that made it obvious yeah. that he was yeah. um, like you know covering for Arthur and running in to shoot everyone to make sure he's first yeah. at warehouse. So it's like it's not. I don't think that's like some random development that they came up with at no. the end because no. of cancellation. Like it was clear no. he was playing the long con and figured that you know unlike David who is a meathead and wants to just shoot everything, yeah. that him being a smart guy, he's going to infiltrate. And yeah. bring them down from within. And I, I get that. And I, it worked. He got. He ended up becoming commander. Oh yeah. yeah so. He became the right. He oh, yeah. played. He he pulled the classic like like um, you know swivel your head and <laughs> uh, have like the tint of your glasses completely mask yeah. your eyes all cool like. He must have invented yeah. it. <laughs> I think he did. I don't recall it. I don't. I don't remember, remember guys like that playing it like that. But Ooh. yeah, I mean. He he played the long con and he conned Lacane. He conned to the point that that Lacane wouldn't even kill him. It's like I'll come kill you later, but I respect you. And then then he brings him up. Yeah, Yeah, and then he brings him up and gives him the official, you know, Gradosian cloak there, and you know everything's cool. It's like this is a guy who playing a con Mm -hmm. became basically the one human 
to convince Lacane that humans had value. Yeah. She was not just uh, abject trash. Yeah, exactly. Um, I won't, I won't, I won't say much about uh, Lacane's turn in the very end. Cause that's that, that encapsulates what happens in the last episode. But yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I guess the one time, I wouldn't say the one time, but the main time I noticed that it was definitely a long con was when they set up that trap for uh, David to go get the, uh, was it the Babel? And when David was fighting against uh, Gotero, uh, Gostello, or Gostero, whatever his name is, was fighting against him, and he was at the brink of death, where he was holding him up with his robotic hand, choking David out. You could see that, uh, you see that old Rowan was sweating because he was hoping that David would pull it through. And, and it, sure enough, he did, but at, at a moment, he was actually fearing for David's life, so I thought that was really cool. It was a nice tell uh, for a guy who no, it, has it, a the, poker face throughout the whole show. The whole, this whole thing was obvious when he's like, hey, uh, Lucane, uh, maybe you should let them try to get yeah. the Babel, you know? And it's like, it's, that, that's what it's like, really. He's he, <laughs> he, he's really playing this guy hard because Lucade thinks he's this you know he's this super great strategist and he's able to yeah. you know the, the humans are too dumb to even you know know how to do anything and yeah. This guy completely played him. It's like, yeah. yeah, wouldn't it be something if you just displayed out the Babel and maybe you could trap them when they're trying to steal it? Yeah. <laughs> it's on, like, on, <laughs> on one hand, he put all of it on his own two shoulders, which I can totally respect. What I hated, though, is that he gambled with his friends' lives throughout the entire second half of that show. Like, completely gambled with them. Like, what else is he supposed to do? I know. I, I know he was doing it for the greater good, but it's like, damn, son, I, this is this is getting too close. What, what, do, you, what do you want him to do? Fight with them and get killed i no, mean it's no. it's 50 50 that they're going to die regardless absolutely I mean, this this is a situation mm-hmm. so he felt that's the best that he could do mm-hmm. and he can't he couldn't have told them that he was doing this because it would have never worked yeah yeah and he even then he tried his best to help them to survive yeah, yeah. he could have just been completely cold and been like i don't care if you die in service of the cause like he went out of his way to try to have it both ways yeah, he brought arthur yeah. uh, or he made he, he put in the transfer papers for arthur to come over even though he denied it he's the one who set up the meeting between everybody when they all got reunited in that one episode i'm pretty sure he was the one that masterminded that which is why he didn't get an invite because he's the one who sent out the invites <laughs> <laughs> for the most part you know at the end of the day i respect this character it's just there were some aspects of that that i wish they they would have spent a, a, a little bit more time inspecting his point of view on all of this and what made him come to this decision to infiltrate the other side it's not like we need an explanation but it's pretty obvious that yeah. they completely wrecked the earth yeah. they killed billions of people oh, absolutely. overwhelming technological and military superiority yeah. there's no way that might would ever defeat them so what other option is there yeah. but to infiltrate? It's yeah, yeah. like, it's, it's nakedly obvious. You live by the quote, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer, and that's exactly what he did. But also, too, it's, mm-hmm. it's the typical story twist. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it ended up being. It's like, oh, you have the time skip. Oh, this guy's now with the end. He's a collaborator. He's moving up the chain. And then I'm sure if they had the full set of episodes, because you got to put it in that context, too. We never got the full set of episodes. Mm-hmm. So that could have been what they were going for. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. just It's just at the end. So, I mean, you got to take it for what it is. Oh, yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I don't discount the show for that. I'm just saying some of the things I wish I'd, I'd got the chance to see. All, all full knowing the circumstances what lie behind the show but um other than that i enjoyed the rest of the cast um i gotta say uh and people called this out when i was watching it uh i guess arthur's soul rose man can we just put that on the table (laughs) (laughs) 
a, a soulless man who's actually named Arthur. Get out of here. <laughs> I know it's nuts, isn't it? It's come full circle. So uh, yeah, but I, I liked Arthur. I mean, he was comic relief at the end of the day, and he had a he had a few cool moments in the show, like uh, when he figured out that the oncoming fleet was the Soviets. Like no one else had even figured that out. Like there were certain times where he actually shined uh, throughout the show. Um, one of the scenes I really liked, we'll talk about when we get to the last episode, uh, a moment between him and Rowan. But Arthur was cool, and you know, at the end of the day, he kind of just gave him the fact that he's 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 silly. I mean, he's He's anime Archie Andrews to me as far as I'm concerned. But um, the, one of the things I dug about the show a whole lot was the backdrop of the uh, Cold War being a big thing in this series, at least for the first half of it. I missed that a little bit in the second half, but I didn't mind it so much because we traded that up for uh, Fist of the Well, North they were Star. gone. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, you can't have a Cold dominated. War when the, when the powers have been uh, Terminated. destroyed. Yeah, for the most I part, mean, they're gone. Which is fine. I, was like, I just enjoyed the aspect of the first half, and um, I missed it when it was gone. But then we traded that out for Fist of the North Star. So I felt right at home with that. So it wasn't too bad. Uh, some of the aspects about the second half I really enjoyed were um, the little nod to Ray Bradbury with Fahrenheit 451, where they were burning the books and all other uh, uh, things of human civilization. They were just destroying left and right. And just to see uh, people's reactions to that, it kind of uh, gave me a gut reaction. I was pretty pissed at seeing like complete museums and uh and the uh content inside museums get torched and destroyed or the metropolitan uh museum of art just get destroyed it was it was pretty messed up well uh, from from what i've read uh that's i mean yeah raid bradbury mm-hmm. but also uh it apparently is um not a nod but a uh a reference to the japanese occupation of the korean peninsula before world war ii oh, you know because they occupied them for a couple of decades yeah. and uh were very brutal and went through extreme lengths to try to uh erase korean culture and history and the language and they went so far as actually rewriting their history to wow. make it all about japan and japan's glory that was actually brought up during the stream i didn't even realize it was towards the end they brought it up and it's like wow and then someone had mentioned that this might have been one of the reasons why the series might have kind of also went into an early demise is because it just ruffled a lot of feathers uh because of the imagery between that you think that might have had something I, to do with it too? i read it was more to do that uh, one of their sponsors and I don't know how true this is. One of their sponsors had some like kind of serious thing with like um, it was like ovens or something catching on fire and oh, it like a recall, yeah, recall. And they pulled out of advertising and without the advertising, I would tend to think that um, purely commercial concerns would have outweighed any yeah. ruffled feathers about uh, some you know cartoon show in 1986. Like yeah. I don't think that would, especially when there was yeah. no internet. So I would tend to think. It was uh, it was almost entirely like commercial reasons. Yeah, probably financial. Like like all these shows, they all end up being you know from back in that time. They were all sponsored by somebody. Hell, Gundam had the same issue. Oh yeah, low ratings and and sponsor stuff. So out, yeah, after after the low ratings and whatnot. Well, um, I did enjoy uh, the, the little Macross standoff at the middle of the series, by the way. Uh, and then that time jump kind of gave me a little bit of a, a Macross vibe where they where you go from uh, one situation where you kind of don't know 100% what the outcome is after they have that, that last uh, big duel with the aliens. And then uh, you jump ahead where you found out that uh, things have changed quite a bit. And uh, hence the second half of the series begins. Uh, I'll just uh, wrap things up and say that uh, overall, uh, I... I did enjoy uh, this series. Uh, one one complaint I would say, and this is something that they probably didn't know when they were um, when they were making the show, and the fact that the rug got pulled underneath them towards the end, is that I think they spent a little bit 
a little bit too much time on the Death Squad characters. Um, and if yeah, anything, yeah, I think they spent a little bit too much time. I call they them were not not quite compelling. They were, they were basically just a bunch of overhyped losers. They were kind of the monster of the week, and some characters kind of went to the wayside or disappeared. And granted, they could have had a bigger role in the show if the series got to run its full run. Like I wanted to know what happened to uh, Jack Clayton, um, Doctor Elizabeth's old boyfriend, because you know he was starting to get his sight back, and I figured that might play into to an episode towards the end of the time jump and we'd find out what happened to those two but they really didn't have time to cover that or even uh, all those kids yeah yeah like i i always thought that the little kids they rescued from the moon yeah exactly i thought matthew might have been one of them but it turns out he wasn't he's he just, wasn't even he's related. just a street rat just some just some generic ass kid and... generic street rat with a dog <laughs> but uh other than that um uh my last thoughts will be on the cane as a character he came kind of out of the blue but i actually enjoyed his character quite a bit he seemed to me like a space vince mcmahon he always uh you know he's all about domination but he'd always get this wild hair to kind of gamble and say okay if you two fight whatever determines the situation i'll go ahead with it he was a man of honor and he always like a good uh he, he always liked to watch a good wrestling match <laughs> i don't know what the deal was with that but he was kind of hype as a character and um i i i kind of uh i i kind of actually liked his character despite him being an asshole for the most part so would you agree with the idea that like his whole aesthetic and his lust for battle and coming from a privileged background Mm -hmm. do you see a lot of him in uh jim ginganum that's what a lot of people were saying when we were watching he he seemed very familiar to jim gingham and watching this show uh has thoroughly convinced me that it it had a huge influence on a lot of other creators of other series because there's bits and pieces of this show's dna and a ton of a ton of other shows that we've watched throughout the years whether it's coincidental or if it's on purpose or whatever and i i i found that thrilling when i went through the show Well, according to uh some things i've read there are literal bits of this show in in other shows holy god i know uh <laughs> kelly kelly lazner for instance is named after uh after after this show uh kelly lazner from yeah. gundam 0083 oh. yeah uh what i meant more specifically was that apparently because uh, as we know the designs for this series were done by okawara mm-hmm. back when he was a good designer and apparently some of the unused uh, Grados designs from the second half of the TV show, because if you notice, aside from, like, Lacane and the Deaf Demons, they didn't really introduce any no. new suits until, like, the very last episode. No, they didn't. And there's, like, this big old uh, heavy artillery suit. Apparently, there were a couple of SPTs that were recycled into Dragonar. Oh, okay. nice. Oh, and, shit. you know, you can, I can, I can, I can, I can see it because uh, the Giganos people, mm-hmm. their design aesthetic is almost identical to Grados. It is. Yeah, we it to, is. We need to get on that show next, then. <laughs> well, you need to watch it. I do. I would need to get on. I need to rewatch it because I, I don't like. So I, I can totally see that because yeah. the design aesthetic is the it's practically the same for the two, and you can check out all those on MAHQ. Um, anyway, but back please. back to you guys. I'm I'm pretty much I've, I've gone on long enough. Uh, back to you, Chris. All right. Your your thoughts, Neo, leading up to the finale. Well, I mean, uh, like was stated, I, I did like the Cold War feel to it. The downside I had with that is both times that AG and his friends met up with the different uh, fleets and stuff, there was even, they even depicted the Soviets as being kind of, not as cowboyish as the Americans, but it's like, how dare you think that, you know, we can't stand up 
to this and you know being way too overconfident in what they were and, and especially with the the later Soviet fleet after they knew that stuff got blown up that was a little I don't know I, I, I don't know if that's like Japanese commentary on the superpowers at that time and I'm, I'm probably sure it is because it's, you know, it's probably a commentary on, yeah. on America and Russia just being so myopic so, mm-hmm. yeah and that, and and yeah, I mean that that and and looking at it, you know, as a person in 2015 as opposed to 1985, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna make you feel a little bit like well, happy 30th anniversary, uh, Lesnar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, it didn't bother me too much. Yes, the 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 depressing escape from Mars that was pretty rough. Um, <laughs> yeah, David, pretty annoying. Definitely hit the crescendo when he started dumping food all over the place. Mm-hmm. But you, you kind of knew that something was going to kind of kind of happen there. Costero, yeah. I actually kind of like him more <laughs> as the cyborg, even though he was such a loser and he couldn't really get anything right. He was the comic villain at that point because oh. after like the first time that he screwed up, you're like, oh, God, this guy's going to screw up everything. Definitely the time skips a little tough. The first one. But one of the things I do like is I, I do like the whole culture destroying aspect of the uh, Gradosians because uh, what a way to subjugate people by taking everything that makes them who they are away from them, taking right, their enemy. culture. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was pretty, pretty interesting. And it really showed you that these these Gradosians, they, they meant business. Now, on the flip side, some of the stuff that they did was kind of stupid. Um, <laughs> big thing is, I don't know what it was all about. What was the eighty? What was dealing with the eighties? And let's let's put the time bomb in the mech and let's just sit there and wait for it to explode. Well, let uh, oh boy, yeah, we'll let uh, we'll let them go get the Babel, and we got we put the time bomb in there, and it'll eventually go off, and and it did. But then I'm just sitting there going, well, if you really wanted to just kind of destroy like, this, this look familiar, yeah, but yeah, and I'm like, if you really want to just kind of destroy these people, and and maybe you'd want to be able to kill the guy, the Earthling that can um, pilot an SPT, yeah, uh, why don't you just have a remote detonator <laughs> sitting there going? Let's just waste all of our ammunition and maybe lose some of our pilots and damage some of our SPTs while we're waiting for the time bomb to go off. And I'm just like, oh, boy, this is just too much. Um, oh, that, that, that's been a plot device in plenty of movies, though. I mean, as I'm silly just, as it is, but... Well, I mean, I'm just saying... It, it's it, repetition doesn't make it any less silly. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make it... Out. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I, what I'm saying is... It's the thing of you see something with the Gradosians, they're one way, and it makes, you know, it's like, wow, this is really, you know, because this is a real robot show. So it's like, wow, you know, this destruction of culture. Wow, that's something you could see. I mean, we see that in today's world with, you know, ISIS, what they're doing. Yeah. They're doing that to people. But then I'm, I'm, but I'm saying on the flip side, they're doing stupid stuff like putting time bombs and waiting for things to go on. That's my point of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Luke Kane and his father. Wow. Did uh did Daddy issues. Did that become well did did his oh what is it? Gre- uh Gresco? Yeah. Um and did he uh did he do the Degwin Zabi switch? You know, when he's on Earth and he's like, I'm I've destroyed everything, but I'm not gonna ki- destroy well, the Met and the New York Public Library and if you notice, uh like whenever they showed him in his throne room and it's like very smoky in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think he was hitting some of that earth hash. That's oh, what I was yeah. going to say. Because I was like, that wasn't no. And that he's was just sitting there most of the time when Lacane's like blah 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 earth, earth, stupid people, and he's just like <sighs> stoned out of his mind. <laughs> now, what, 
Now, one of the things I would have liked to seen if this got its full run, and, and this will be forever a what if, I guess, but it kind of seemed to me in some ways that being on Earth for an extended period of time, I don't know if it was just the cultural influences or maybe there was something physical, maybe with the air or something like that. You know, with Gresco ch- kind of changing his thought patterns about things, I'm wondering if there was actually, you know, just like the whole thing with the new types, you move in the space and it gives you a different perspective. I'm almost wondering if these guys, when they come from Grados and they go to the Earth, maybe that's why they were becoming more hippie-ish or like Chris was saying, it's just too smoky in that place and he was <laughs> You know, he was just hitting some of her finest. Well, in the case so. of Gresco specifically, remember, he's the only other one from AG who actually knows the secret. That is true. Yeah. So, and, you know, he understands that, you yeah, know, the yeah. re- the racist rhetoric about how humans are uh, a trash species is not true. He knows the truth. Yeah, true. You know, Lacane, as he likes to prod him and tell him many times throughout the course of the series without actually telling him the secret, mm-hmm. is just spouting blind rhetoric without even really thinking about what he's actually saying. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, he's, yeah, and he's the tired old man. And, yeah, I, I get that. But, because um, uh, even, you know, we'll see later on, I think even Lucane uh, makes a comment a little bit about it, too. Uh, that he's things are kind of changed, but I, I think that might be more Rowan than anything else. But um, liked, even though it was an abrupt skip, I liked the Raiders of the Lost episode, Raiders of the Lost Ark episode. Uncharted down with in South America. Yeah, Uncharted with AG. I, I did AG's, like that. AG's fortune. AG's fortune. <laughs> that was pretty interesting. I did like, you know, with the three-year time skip, we actually see the kids grow. Oh, yeah. Everybody kind of grows, except for AG. Pretty much looks the same. But well, um, like everyone... He came, he came turned into Kenshiro. He did. He did he, well, yeah, but I mean, he didn't look any different than. You but know, he looked. Kind of, he looked. He, he looked pretty hardened he in those three years because in in he's like kind of baby face in the first part he and sure wimpy is. looking. In that last episode, I mean, when yes. you see that flashback, is like it, the contrasts are amazing to see exactly how much they changed. Over and, time. and he did look. And when you first see him walking up, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, wow, did, did King of Fighters have a new game this this that year when it was coming out? <laughs> I, I swear to God, he came out of King of Fighters game. <laughs> so you know that. I mean, that he was... he got so chiseled that there's uh there's this pretty sure. well known like scan from a it's from a magazine at the time mm-hmm. that shows like um, time skip. Ag with Chirico. Oh, nice! Oh, really? Like shaking hands and everything. They look like they could be brothers. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. got that hardcore. They, Hell yeah! <laughs> they they definitely have very a lot of character similarities there. It was nice to see Simone join GI Joe. Um, yeah. The the cat suit. She, <laughs> she looked like she uh, became Scarlet. <laughs> she became Scarlet. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean uh, um and then of course uh you know and then, and then the other dumb thing about the the, the gradosians you know hey we catch all these people let's suspend them from air and then shoot them with cannons i'm like <laughs> what, what, what are you uh kim jong-un i mean you know shooting your uncle with a anti-aircraft gun it's like just 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 make this simple. But I know we wouldn't have a story if it wasn't that way. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, I did like the thing too that you had people, you know, the earthlings being very protective of the culture. Mm-hmm. Of the culture? Of, uh, <laughs> especially the older people. It was cool to see that, you know, they were showing they couldn't really fight, but the way that they were trying to do their best was preserving the books and then they'd have uh, readings. Mm-hmm 
at the end of their sweatshop, you know, after making Godosian underwear, they'd have to, you know, they'd sit in there and, and, and all that. But, and of course, you get the inevitable, the Earthlings are going to do their SBTs. And, you know, it would have been a little bit nicer to see more of the development on that. But, you know, it, it it's what it was. So other than that, I think I'm pretty good. So back to you, Chris, on the I, first. Yeah. So things I liked about the series, uh, one that it's, unflinchingly bleak oh yeah oh, yeah. and it's a show that doesn't make anything easy you know the first dozen episodes are all the mars arc and it's them trying to survive on mars not just the harsh elements but constantly being chased by the Rodosians, whether it's gale or gostero and you really feel how precarious their situation is and i mean you kind of know that all of the un adults are going to get picked off but even when it starts happening you're just like oh my goodness what's going yeah. this is nuts and then you know the whole thing of they finally reach the american base uh and then as soon as they get there it gets nuked yeah <laughs> yeah we're there oh it's gone it's like, yay, we're saved. Boom. Nukes. Yeah. Spectacular moment, too. <laughs> and then they just find, uh, you know, like all these corpses of people killing them who would kill themselves trying to get into the shelter and no survivors. And it's just like you really feel like, man, this is a hopeless journey and they're all going to die. There's no getting out of here alive. And then even when they get off of Mars, you know. Or when they meet the Americans and the Soviets, it's just like very brief respites in um, you know a horrible journey. Even when they get to the backyard of Earth, they get to the moon. No good times for them there on the moon. No, not at it's all. Like there, there really is no safety. And then even when they get to Earth, there's not much time before the Rodosians arrive and start wrecking everything. So you know, it's just like constant levels of high tension that are always maintained with very little like slack in between those moments. Uh, I love the mecha designs. Great job by, uh, Okawara and the Lasner is, uh, definitely very Gundam looking, but in a cool way. Oh yeah. Yeah. But also different because of the fact that we have all these SPTs with the cockpits in the head and a canopy on top. Yeah. Which you'd think would be like the most obvious target to want to shoot at. It really was, yeah. <laughs> but apparently it's not. They got some strong plastic that they put for the canopies, huh? Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. I do like the the Cold War vibe, although for 1985, did they really think that just jumping into the future 11 years would have yeah. like really sufficed for there to be, um, you know, American and Soviet and UN bases on Mars? <laughs> And have it be stable enough that you could send kids on a field trip there? I guess they had a lot of faith in the young astronauts program. <laughs> like, would it just, I mean, yes, we're laughing about it looking back on it in 2015. But, I mean, it's a little short-sighted to have only selected that short of a, of a time jump into the future. Like, in the yeah. 80s, I would have, like, just to been on the safe side, have jumped forward 20 or 30 years. It, 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 I got a I got a vibe of uh, remember that movie Space Camp. Uh, <laughs> I got a vibe of Space yeah. Camp on Mars in those first couple of episodes. It's like, oh my god, why am I thinking of Space Camp all of a sudden? Oh, Space Camp. <laughs> I haven't thought about that movie in forever. Oh my god. <laughs> but, uh, but hey, it's it's a minor detail. Um, yeah, David was definitely annoying at first uh, for those episodes until he finally reconciled with Ag, but then became his best bro. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Rose to the end. Yeah. You know, another thing that you think about when you watch this show is AG's uh, very strict no-kill attitude, which is something that he takes up from the very beginning, as soon as he gets to Mars. And the thing I like about the way it's depicted as compared to certain, like, you know, Jesus Yamato-y types oh, out yeah. there is that, number one, he's consistent with it because he always felt that way, and he... Yep continue to do that all the way through the end of the show but two the fact that that stance creates a hell of a lot of trouble for him oh god yeah and oh, yeah. they yeah. can't they can't help but flaunt it too i mean gostero tells him straight they, they up they try to like, exploit it they try to exploit it against him oh hell yes <laughs> you know and even though he's a skilled pilot he's not so overskilled, like say Jesus Yamato, mm-hmm. that he could easily stomp all these people without killing them and not put himself in danger. You know, Ray is constantly arguing with him, you know, his AI yeah. that he's putting himself in danger and he should just, you know, aim to kill. He's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And God, how many freaking times does he get himself nearly killed because of his refusal to kill? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Almost every episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like many times. Many times, series, dude. But oh. it it doesn't bother me in the same way that Kyo? we saw with Kira or with Kyo mm-hmm. because you know he struggles with it. It's it's a very difficult stance to maintain, and he manages to survive despite um, handicapping himself so badly. Whereas those other two chumps, it just comes to them so easily, <laughs> and uh, they have no problem at all trying to enforce an unrealistic ideal. Whereas AG struggles with it. Exactly. Well, not only that, but their their stuff is so overpowered, and they have the one hit kill combo. To you know, when they get really you know, especially with Kira, it's like, oh, I'm in the meteor, so I'll just I'll just press the button, and that'll take care of everybody. So I mean, at least with AG, he actually has to still go toe-to-toe with these guys mm-hmm. in dogfights and stuff, trying to not kill them, while at the same time protecting people and trying to disable this guy. And so it, it takes even a little bit more Emacs, skill. Once it shuts, it's temporary, and once it shuts down, yeah. uh, the laser just stops for a couple of minutes yeah, dead to, yeah. uh, to cool off. Ooh. Whereas, you know, I called it Blue Trans Am. Yeah. You know, even the Gundams in Double O with Trans Am, once the Trans Am's out, they can still operate. Yeah, they just go yeah. back to normal. That's all they do. Go back to normal, where it's like, you have Lasner, if you don't finish what you need to do before the Trans Am runs out, then you're done, son. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Something else I really dug about this series is the choreography of the mecha combat. Thank you. I, I meant to mention that, too. From the very first episode, I don't know what it is about these... Uh, SBTs, the way they're drawn, the way they move, they really feel like dog fights of machines with limbs way more than anything I've seen before or since. Just the way that they are constantly in the air, the way they twist around and maneuver. You can see the, the Votum's influence on this series too. Because, you know, the scope dogs didn't fly for the most part in Votoms. You could see the realism of the fights in that series, and they brought that over to this series, too, when it came to just how, how the SPTs maneuvered and, and how they fought and how the how the fights were depicted, I think, was, was one of the biggest I think they flew a lot better than the scope dogs. The scope dogs so? were, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, a lot well, scope, I mean, they, they definitely look kind of like um, how the scope dogs did with their space packs. Yeah for maneuverability but there's just like some sick movements oh, yeah, uh, yeah particularly it, it, 
in there's the no moon, wasted movement. In the moon, there's also some fantastic animation yeah. when AG and David are fighting against the unmanned skull gunners. Mm-hmm. And I just love the small detail that because the skull gunners are unmanned, they don't have a human pilot inside, which means they can do completely insane Same maneuvers oh, yeah. with no care for having to preserve a human inside. Yo, AG learned how to double tap that day. <laughs> Yes, always double tap. Woo, my God, because even when it when – Just when, for Zombieland. When they thought those things were down, they would still be just ricocheting shots and doing all sorts of crazy shit. And it's like, wow, this is, this, this is even scarier than actually uh, the, the arc on the moon because of the fact that these, these don't have any kind of conscience. They'll kill children, and especially all those little kids that were held up with uh, old, uh, old Jack Clayton in that, yeah. uh, in that, in that bunker, man. It's, it's pretty, pretty desperate times. Yeah. Uh, some things that bothered me and hadn't been mentioned so far is that um, Julia is kind of a gaping hole in terms of the development of the story. Yep. Because when she's introduced, you know, she's led to believe that uh, you know Ag has killed Gale, and she has to fight to reclaim her family's honor because of the the dishonor that Ag has brought upon them. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not listening to him. He beats her down. She crashes into the ocean, sees how beautiful life is on Earth, and then she's promptly forgotten. And then when we see her later, she's this cult leader. It's like, what? I would have liked to have found out a little bit more about her journey. Like, what, what more happened to her other than seeing the pretty fishes that led her Jimmy. to start uh, this cult? And also the fact that, you know, she knew all this crap about the the seal of grados and all of this stuff in this pyramid in south america so how how did she learn all of this stuff chichumi chichumi <laughs> yes he knows all he does the holder of secrets <laughs> so that's something i think um maybe would have been expounded upon more had the show run its intended yeah. length which i believe was 47 episodes rather than 38 not a fan of the deaf demons you know i'm not crazy on just generic crazy guys yeah especially since we weren't introduced to any of the other ones besides uh Gostero. um like here's just random crazy guys who are exceedingly cruel and have custom mecha but they all keep failing miserably and <laughs> they almost they end up killing each other as much as they kill anybody else exactly and Gostero, the cockroach, it's like, I got tired of him in the second half. It's like, oh my god, just die already, please! And then he did, so I was happy. I was hoping David would have murked him so bad for the shit that happened on the moon. <laughs> Sorry, not the moon, but the uh, but Mars, like, he'd, he'd bring that up somewhere along in the series. But uh, he, he died the death that was fitting to him, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think, like, the clear point when we see everything start to sort of go downhill because of the cancellation is episode 3. 35 because the episode before that just had you know some of the antics with um death demons and some of them being killed off and then suddenly episode 35 starts very quickly with ag and anna being shot at and boarding a plane for south america and they're like oh it's anna's narration is oh she's ag's on his quest to find out you know more about the the origin of gratis like what really where when did this happen yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, and suddenly the series completely shifts focus, and it's all about the Seal of Grados and Julia and all this stuff, and it just winds up super freaking fast. And then we have our finale, so episode 38. We have... Suddenly, Gresco's dead for some reason, and Lacane's in charge, and he puts uh, Rowan in charge. The Lazner, which got completely trashed, 
in the previous episode is now completely back to normal and fully repaired. Uh, There's a lot of glowing green lights with the seal of Grados, and uh, it just disappears with no explanation and lots of other pretty lights. And in the meantime, we have this battle on Earth intercut with a bunch of clips. Let's take a little trip down memory lane with clips from early parts of the series and, uh, you know, the end. What happened to everything and everyone? Yeah, nobody knows. But we find out. But we'll find out. We'll get to that in a little bit. So, Silver, what did you think of the show's ending? Well, I, yeah, because I watched the before. TV ending. Yeah, the TV ending. I watched that before I actually watched the OVA. And, man, it felt it, it was the, the jump was enough to make your head spin. <laughs> when we started the episode, like, I noticed one of the first things I noticed was when you hear Anna's narration and you find out that, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Gresco is dead. I was like, yo, get the hell out of here. He's dead? You know, we just saw him last episode. Yo, what happened to the cliffhanger we ended on? All this stuff and then you get into the thrust of the battle you see these cool ass new uh grunt designs uh for uh the uh the spts for the um for the aliens and um it's like wow where did these for the come from for the oh not not, not the red those. ones the, the red brown, ones also were for the well, not the red ones but the brown ones the ones i, I never oh. even noticed those before but those look really cool i like the red ones you saw the red ones earlier on when they had the two prototypes and it took them to yankee stadium of all places to throw down but uh <laughs> But yeah, uh, just to see that battle, just uh, just to go on like that. I noticed that um, in that episode, David and the rest of them had no qualms with killing other pilots. Uh, I did notice that Ag still wasn't killing anyone, but those guys, I guess they had been fighting in the re- revolution so long that you know they just had their own politics when it came to the killing enemies, as opposed to Ag's own personal politics. But he didn't he didn't enforce that on them, so I thought it was kind of cool. Um, but then the battle for God's bong started, and it's like, yo, what the hell is this? <laughs> What is this coming out of the ground? And then, uh, of course, you get the you get the Aurora Borealis scene where all the the it starts to emit the lights, and I'm not sure exactly what was going on. And then before you know it, the episode's over, and you don't even know the fate of Ag. And that that's what killed me. It's like, yo, this is this is so unfinished. But I'm so glad we have the OVA to watch after this. So uh, if anything, I didn't have to wait in suspense like the Japanese public probably had to when they first saw the, that last episode. And uh, my heart goes out to them if you actually endured that way back in 1985. But uh, back to you, Chris. Neil, your thoughts on the finale? Well, I mean, I knew it was going to be bad. And it was. I mean, <laughs> and but I think, Chris, you had mentioned it off off air that it's still better than destiny's um first tv ending and then of course i made the observation at least uh you know destiny what's destiny's excuse because it was allowed its full run Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's bad it's a clip show you could definitely tell that it you know there was an abrupt end and you're wondering because it is tv viewing whiplash but there's nothing that you could really do on it so but in terms of being a horrible, horrible episode, it, it's still better than the Destiny uh, t- first TV <laughs> ending. So back to you, Chris. Yeah, it's definitely very rough as far as TV yeah. endings go. And to be expected, you know, the cancellation was obviously came in pretty late for it to be done so uh, abruptly. I mean, hell, even with the day in you know, that last episode, everything was just gelling fine until suddenly yeah. then it's like, and because they couldn't agree, everything ended. Yeah. Like, okay, that's very abrupt, but you had me up until there. But this episode from the beginning, it's like did it's like is this is this misnumbered? Did I did I miss an episode somewhere? Did did I miss like a couple of episodes somewhere? Is there is there a lost episode that I missed? Yeah. Like what's with the editing on this and what's with all of the, you know, clips and wasting time and like it's just it's bad. 
Yeah. It but had to it had to have been eleventh hour cancellation. Like it really had to have been. Like yeah. they were starting this episode and then it was like, Hey, by the way, it's it's Wednesday. This Friday will be your last episode. <laughs> it's it's and it's bad to the point yeah. that the Lasner Mark II which you can see on MAHQ, mm-hmm. was fully designed, never actually got to appear. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy because they had the perfect opportunity to, since they were already time jump, uh, jumping <laughs> from 37 to 38, the, the, the lost time in between, they but could have actually the rolled that in. Yeah, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, to me, it really seems like they were given like a day or two to get this done. Yeah. And it had to be out there. So, And that's why I think in some ways... It, you see a lot of the the clips because it's like, hey, we don't have anything. They probably everybody was pulled. You know, they had all their artists and stuff. I mean, Takahashi might have been just doing all this by himself with maybe maybe one helper, if that. So it, you know, we say all that, but this is still back in the day when they were hand drawing all this stuff. Might yeah, be a little might, bit easier might not now. Have just had the time to, yeah. You know, start drawing a totally new transforming mecha, no less, because yeah. catching, you know, fitting into the transforming craze of the 80s, yeah. uh, the Mark II was a transformer. That's yeah. true. And that would have been a whole lot of money spent because usually when they try to make a transforming sequence, it's something they want to reuse not, over not and even, over. Not and even over. money, yeah. time. If you got yeah. no time, yeah. you can't do it. And if you, well, if you have money, people so. <laughs> who are used to drawing your star mecha, uh-huh. you know, that they've been doing for 37 episodes. You know, you're introducing more work by having them draw a completely different one yeah. for just one episode. That's true. That is a, that is a that is a huge expense at the end of the day. Time or otherwise, probably more time than anything. But uh, you know, and also so you'd have to rewrite the script even more mm-hmm. to toss in like, hey, here's this random laser mark too. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> but it got to live. In in its afterlife, as part of Super Robot Wars, it's you know it's had its con- a continued existence. Mm-hmm. So there's that at least, as well as uh, another Centuries episode, I believe it showed up in yes. one of those too. And it's a cool design. Mm-hmm. Would have been nice to see on TV. So yeah, it's a really bad ending, and but better in Destiny. <laughs> you know, I, I I recommend watching it only if you want to see like how screwed over a TV show can get by cancellation. Absolutely, it's educational to say the least. Yeah. So thankfully, there are some OVAs. The first two are just compilations of the entire series. And this was because at this time in the mid-80s, there wasn't really a home video market where you would buy entire TV shows. So you would get uh, compilation specials, which is why we would see these pop up so many times in 80s anime like Elgheim and Galliant and all these other productions that we've reviewed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vifem. And so Lazner is no different. So you got a couple of compilations. And then you got some new stuff. So the third OVA basically is episode 38 and 39, if there was a 39. Yeah. And with this full extra episode, we fill in some of the gaps. So uh, first of all, the Lasner that we see is not actually the Lasner. It's the totally separate unit called the new Lasner, <laughs> which they transfer Foron and Ray to. And this unit has improved VMAX, which explains how it is that AG got his ass kicked so bad by Lakine in the previous episode because Lakine's Zakal had its own VMAX. Mm-hmm. 
Right power. That exceeded Eiji's power, but then Eiji fights him equally the next episode with a fully repaired unit. It's like, how does this happen? Well, now you know. It's a totally separate unit, which they probably just invented as a uh, stopgap thing because there was yeah. no time to do anything with the Mark II. Exactly. So, yeah, new Lasner. Then we find out the fate of Resco because he had a confrontation with uh, Lakine, and Lakine learned the truth. Didn't want to accept it because his racist beliefs are so firmly held that <laughs> humans are inferior, and was stripped of his power and authority, and in a fit of anger, ended up shooting his own father fatally. Ooh. Who, despite being shot, killed oh. annoying underling Carla to help set up everything to uh, let Lakine <laughs> not take the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad so, she died. So yeah, Lacane killed his own father, took over, uh, cut off all access to the Grodosian homeworld, basically uh, wanted to just mess everything up on Earth now that he had the full power of the occupation force and didn't have his father to hold him back. That's true. Just wanted to go hog wild and just destroy everything. Just level everything except for the Grodosian command pyramid. <laughs> Let everything else burn, and you start to see that. Uh, we see some lead-up to this battle in the, uh, the, the the Nazca lines over in South America. So that's some good extra stuff. We see AG having some moments with his friends and saying goodbye. We see the actual battle between him and Lakine up in space around the Seal of Grados rather than just, you know couple of quick flashes and then you know goodbye (laughs) exactly we get a whole conversation with julia where she explains what's going on that the seal is gonna basically forcibly cut off contact between earthlings and gradosians until both have evolved to the point where they can meet peacefully after maybe a few more centuries of development and then she seals off space as we saw in the tv show but she takes lacane with her so you know we see ag getting to say goodbye to his sister then we pick up where the tv ending was that he's floating in space lasner finds him uh and starts flying back to earth that's where the tv show cuts off Mm -hmm. this version we actually get to see him return to earth where everyone's waiting for him and we get a nice romantic embrace between him and anna and thankfully no clips of anything all gone darn no more trip down memory lane so, Sobro, what do you think of the upgraded ending? Oh, after if, having the basis of comparison to go on from the actual episode 37, man, uh, <laughs> sorry, 38. Yeah, uh, it was it was a breath of fresh air just to see how everything actually connected together. You can see it was moving at a breakneck pace, but I didn't mind it so much because questions were being answered. Um, one of the scenes I really did enjoy was uh, seeing the breakdown of Dr. Elizabeth because she was a pacifist throughout most of the show, and I'm glad that it actually addressed that Uh Going uh going into the uh the final frames of the of the series, um it seems that she recovered because you see her in the last episode and she's all right. But yeah, she um I guess she she took a toll from having to develop weapons of war. So um it was just good to see her character again. But um also the scene I really did enjoy was uh the conversation between Arthur and Rowan, and that Arthur was you know actually came to realize that Rowan was actually helping him the whole time and tried to confront him about it. But you know Rowan was keeping that uh stiff up a stiff stiff upper lip, not letting anything slip until the right moment and then it's such a good payoff when you see rowan actually take things over and tell tell the rest of the uh Gredozen forces that uh it's time to retreat from the from the battlefield and uh then he confronts uh lacane about it and lacane says if i win this fight or if i if, when i do return i'm coming back to kill you he could have killed him right there but you know i don't think lacane uh, ever thought that he was going to be coming back
back for the most part. So he just, you know, made some empty threats and left on his way. But I enjoyed those uh, big reveals. The animation was top notch in this episode. And uh, I really enjoyed the, the, the three way uh, confrontation between AG, Lacane, and Julia and what she had to do in order to set things right. It was it was definitely heartfelt, and to see how that played out just made that whole set piece make more sense, especially since they went inside the obelisk in order to, uh, to sort some things out. It seemed it seemed a little Kub- uh, Stanley Kubrickian <laughs> a little bit towards the end, but uh, I, I, I enjoyed that part of the story, too, and I, I thought it was a, a very good watch. It, it, it definitely does a great job of tying things up for the series. There's a bunch of loose ends I wish they would have been able to get to, but in an hour, you only can do so much so uh i thought it was uh pretty good and uh, back to you neo your thoughts on the ova finale uh it's good i like the fact that some of the animation that was the newer animation in episode 38 they they were able to use it in this uh, this ova yeah it was nice to see all the stuff that we you know were just kind of told in exposition or whatever it was i like the whole kind of showdown between lacan and gresco uh, i like the fact that uh gresco killed carla because she sucked um because i yeah i just was really tired of her it was a little weird because we um because he I guess he wanted to kill Julia too, right? He just couldn't do it because he was too weak. He was bleeding out a little bit yeah, at, think, at that yeah. point. I think the shock yeah. of what he did also hit him too. <laughs> well, I don't think he had a real shock of killing Carla. Oh, so, oh, uh, uh, never mind. I'm thinking of something else. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, but yeah, the it, it was uh, finally nice to see the showdown between uh, Lucane and. Um, uh, Ag and you know what happens to Lucane and Julia, we'll never know unless we get a OVA, but I doubt we will. But um, and then of course the resolution at the end where Anna's been wanting this guy since pretty much episode one or two, and <laughs> now she gets her wish. So uh, in terms of being a second opportunity to end something that was cut down short and, and kind of make it into a somewhat uh, respectable ending and conclusion to the major stories, major plot lines of what you started. I think it did its job. I think it did it very well. So um, back to you, Chris. All right. So it's obviously a big improvement over the uh, patchwork TV ending that's just missing huge chunks of story. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you if you watched episodes 1 to 37 and then just watched OVA 3 and thought of it as episodes 38 and 39, you have a perfectly serviceable, serviceable conclusion yeah. to a solid story mm-hmm. with just some bumps along the way due to the, you know, speed up at the end and the you know, lack of conclusion on some of those storylines, but it's still a good ending. Yeah. You know, because obviously Takahashi wasn't as lucky as Tamino was twice to get uh, with Gundam, that four episode extension that let him end the series on good terms. Or when Adan got canceled and Tamino got to wrap up the story with be invoked, you know, he just had to settle for one like 50 minute OVA and granted what he had to work with. I think he did the best that he could. And, it's a totally solid ending. Yeah. I can't complain too much, given what it is, and the fact that it even exists to replace uh, that shoddy TV ending is a small miracle, I'm hey, sure. Yeah, tell me about it. 
So I would recommend, like, you know, if you want to see how a TV series can get screwed over by cancellation, watch episode 38. If you would prefer to spell yourself that and just have a smooth experience, don't watch episode 38 and instead watch the third OVA. Yeah. All of which is available through Methods because many years ago, Bandai Entertainment had licensed the series along with Giant Gorg, but never got around to releasing it. They claimed when their license expired that the reason was that Sunrise had provided them with uh, damaged blue-tinted masters, mm. which I think is kind of funny because blue. Yeah. <laughs> they just want to have the blue comedy experience. <laughs> But you know, given given uh, stuff that Sunrise has done in the past, mm-hmm. it sounds like a complete ridiculous answer. But it's there's there's it's more true than you would think. Damn. <laughs> so subsequently, the show has been released on Blu-ray in Japan, and boy, would I love it if someone even just to do yeah. a DVD release like Discotech, Discotech, please, base Discotech, yeah. please, come on. <laughs> I mean, if you're you're rescuing Orgus. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is cool. Mm-hmm. But give a brother a hand and and give us some Lasner. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, because on a on a on a side note, and me and Chris had discussed this was God for most of the early to mid two thousands. This was the the show that the fan subgroups would um, be all gung ho about, but they could never complete. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many went down for this one, Chris. I mean, it it's seems definitely like... one of those cases of a show having uh, multiple groups, multiple groups starting from scratch, reaching a certain point, point. and then throwing in the towel. Yep, yep. The, this one and Gear Fighter Dendo is always. It's like, oh wow, a new group got this. I'm just wondering if they're going to make it past the teens on SBT <laughs> Laser. And so far, no one still has with Dendo. <laughs> oh, geez. yeah, no one asked for Dendo, but they finally did with SBT Laser. So mm-hmm. that's that's the good thing because. God, I wanted to see this show many, many years ago. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I saw the first episode, I don't know, at least three, three or four times ago. here. At least yeah. a dozen years ago. And it's very hard to come by. And when I finally did see what had been translated, I just wanted more. And uh, I watched the entire second half of the series raw. Yeah, that's oh, right. They, they did release it raw. I forgot about. I never watched it raw, but I remember that, that they did release it there. Yeah. But I've I I had already seen you know <laughs> enough of it. Yeah. About fifteen episodes subtitled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to get the basics of all the characters in the story, I have seen so many mecha anime over the years, and picked up all of the mecha cliches but also uh watching it in japanese all of just the the language that's common in mecha shows yeah that's true yeah. and i was actually able to pretty much completely follow the story <laughs> despite watching the entire second half raw yeah you could kind of yeah i could see where you could kind of figure it I, out i could definitely see that especially uh upon watching it recently it's like yeah you can you could you can definitely understand what's going on you can still recognize the people even after the time jump so it's, it doesn't take much explanation to know what's going on in each episode but it was still nice oh, yeah. when somebody yes. finally was able to say, we're going to complete this whole thing yeah. because <laughs> it was years, years of this. I actually lost hope. And finally, Chris told me, what, maybe two years ago? Hey, somebody actually got this done. It's <laughs> like, no way. I think at that time they had gotten the series done and they were starting on the OVAs. <laughs> Yeah, 
So uh, we're not getting into specifics about the methods because, I mean, it's pretty easy to find and you don't, yeah. you don't need that much Netflix. coaching. So you, know, Netflix, you, 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 can, the, the you can find the group who did it and, and to thank mm-hmm. for this. You can find your downloads. It's not too complicated. So we have faith in you. But we hope that someone, Discotech, <laughs> might pick yeah. it up. Right. Yeah, I'd so, like to see a touched up copy of it. You know? That would be nice. Uh, any final thoughts? When we close out this anime spotlight. It's good. Yeah, I, for the most part, this is a definitely uh, a, a one for the ages. Is a it's an educational watch too. Is Christmas one for the ages? One for the ages. <laughs> that, that that could be the episode title. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you should um, you should check this show out if you can. I know a lot of you guys have an aversion to older anime, but this one, you when you watch it, you'll see a lot of things here and there in the show that will feel familiar and elements that you probably have seen in other animes that originated here so i highly i highly recommend it and uh i I hope you guys do check it out uh when you have time all right well one last thing that i want to mention i'd forgotten earlier is i like the narrative approach that um the whole series basically is recounted in retrospect by anna yeah so we really see her thoughts not just about you know her growing attraction to aging and eventually falling in love with him but you know her thoughts on the terrible situations they constantly find themselves in hell yeah so it's an interesting approach of telling this story through the eyes of uh, at least partially a 14 year old girl yeah. thrust into a situation that she never expected exactly who's not even the main love interest until the last up till the ova <laughs> <laughs> the last few minutes of the ova <laughs> Well, she always well, carried a torch for him throughout the entire show. But she's so. not the love interest. Dude. She carried a torch, but I mean, yeah. it's it's pretty obvious. Like, come the second half of the show, like once they're reunited, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, yeah. you grew up." <laughs> yeah, but they still weren't. Yeah, they were. They yeah. they weren't a thing. But it was going. Yeah. It, it was obvious. It was I going. Get it. So check it out. It's a great classic. You can read reviews on MHQ or check out all of the mecha profiles to get a better look at all of the uh, great mecha designs. And, you know, I got to say, Lazner, for a canceled show that should be by all rights super obscure, has had a, a pretty decent afterlife. Uh, the aforementioned Super Robot Wars and Ace Games, but it's got a sizable merchandise collection in terms of uh, kits uh, action figures, you know, it, it gets around. It gets around for a show that's uh, so old, and that's probably in part due to uh, you know just the continued interest in Takahashi's work. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's it's always remembered too. So um, if, if anything, I, I think it just means a lot to a lot of the fan base in Japan, and it's good to see that it still has a life after after the show ended so many years ago. Yeah. Although I wouldn't mind getting my hands on the fan subs from the alternate world where this show was not canceled. Oh man! <laughs> and, and also in that same world, someone sent me the the fan subs for the last ten episodes of Gundam X. <laughs> is that alternate world or is that just Dream World? Oh, it, the, the, that's uh, that's Candyland. Oh, that's yeah, a, okay. I was about to say that's Earth Two. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry, man. It got smashed in the convergence. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> So we're going to take a quick break and be right back. You're listening to Gundam.
As for sleeping with my wife in a Gundam minivan. Are you a fan of Gundam, Robotech, or Transformers? Well, you should check out Gundam at MEHQ, a wonderful source to learn about the Autobots. Yes, and once I learn about them, I will be the leader of the Decepticons. What was that, Starscream? Nothing, Lord Megatron. Nothing at all. We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, the Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream. If you want to watch the stream live, make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fighters ready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit Gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You've been listening to episode 165, where we reviewed in depth Blue Comet SPT Lasner, a great series from 1985 and, su- and also from Sunrise. Check that out when you can. But well, when you guys have time, make sure to check out these websites. Head on over to where the magic happens mahq.net. Visit there for reviews of many mecha related animes and manga series. Also join the conversation at MAHQ's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam. And make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, 
where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam M-A-H-Q. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater M-A-H-Q. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube. And YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash Shin Station and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And that is it for this episode of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Serious? Come on, Co. Why the hell are you volunteering for the recovery mission? Huh? Because I can't just sit around here waiting with my thumb up my ass doing absolutely nothing. So you're telling me that you're going to go ahead and intentionally risk your life again? Is that what you're telling me here? Whoa. Huh? Hmm? Well, well. If it isn't the brave ensign. Huh? Hmm? <laughs> Hold it. I heard that you actually tangled with the Nightmare of Solomon. Could that possibly be true? I'm in a hurry, sir, if you'll excuse me. No, so the boy's got no time for me, huh? I get it. You're just way too busy since you fought with Gato. Isn't that right? Or maybe you didn't fight him and you just hid somewhere until he got away. What do you say, kid? I was saved because of Lieutenant Burning and Nina Purpleton. If I was on my own, I would probably be dead. That's not true. Huh? It was your own huh? skill, Ensenuraki, and don't you forget that. Nina. This is the data from when you were piloting Unit 1. You tapped its full potential far beyond what would ever be expected from your first time operating it. Have faith in yourself, Intonuraki. I'm very thankful. It's okay. I knew you'd want to see it. No. Hmm. Oh, so you're an amateur pilot, but a true professional with the ladies. That right? Lieutenant! Yeah. Now, Nina, showing us that stuff doesn't prove a thing. And you know that Unit 1's pilot is going to be one of the three of us. There's not a chance in hell they're going to hand the job over to this nothing rookie pilot. After all, he wasn't very successful. And he let Unit 2 get away, didn't he? <laughs> Hey, lay off of him, Mancha. Don't you remember? He's one of Lieutenant Burning's potentially good men. Yeah, but he's still a crappy pilot. But you don't have to worry. I'll take care of Unit 1 and Dear Nina without any problem. Now the kid can go run along home and have his mama diaper him and send him Betty Bye. <laughs> Lieutenant Mancha, a pilot with an ounce of real skill wouldn't parade around judging another pilot before he'd take the time to see it and know what the hell he's talking about. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Ensenuraki was a better pilot than you are. There's an interesting joke. Well, you want to find out? Huh? Yeah. If Ensenuraki manages to beat me in a fight, then I'll be more than happy to recommend that he be the Gundam's pilot and declare there's no contest. However, if I win the fight, then he never shows his face around any of us again. So, what do you say? I'll do it. No. I accept your challenge. All right. It's settled then. Go! It's impossible! He's a veteran pilot, for Christ's sake! Listen, King, this is my only chance. I want to get Unit 2 back no matter what it takes. You got it? No. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku Station and MAHQ.net joint.
Christopher Scalicki writes, what do you think of this rumor that Sony is planning an on May spinoff? I hope this isn't true. Avi Ared, you dumb idiot. You know? I just was like, what is wrong with you? I mean, there's, you, I can't believe it. Well, we canceled Venom to get this Aunt May thing happening. <laughs> kind of weird. What are they eating for breakfast? Avi was like, yeah. this Gotham thing's working out. What about Aunt May? <laughs> Here you go. A couple other producers. Avi's right. Uh, Aunt May! Aunt May! Yeah, come on. <laughs> 